0: NMLS number six five zero eight four Equal Housing Lender. New Year's resolutions are just hard to keep up with, but saving money is easy at SaveWithConrad.com. Wouldn't 2022 be easier with lower monthly payments? Get the best rate you've ever had, pay off your credit card debt, and even get the cash you need right now at SaveWithConrad.com. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to get started, and you can even skip your next two house payments at SaveWithConrad.com. Find out how much money you can save for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Get even more from the hottest new podcast going, My World, with Jeff Jarrett over at adfreeshows.com. Let me get granular here for a minute, folks. Not only can you get the entire My World episode library with zero ads, new episodes come your way each week early, ad-free, and on video starting at just 9 bucks a month. We've also got tons of exclusive My World bonus content waiting for you, plus unique interactive experiences with your old pal, Double J. You get to jump on and ask Jeff questions. And if you joined us in Chicago this year for Top Guy Weekend, you got to hang out the entire weekend. Just recently, we sat down with Robbie the Highlander to clear the air on what really happened that night at the TNA taping in Orlando. We also had Jeff join fellow WWE Hall of Famer and ad-free partner Eric Bischoff to watch Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson's very first match and even talked with Tony Falk about breaking into the wrestling business. And how about this? There's only one place to get all this exclusive content and experiences, and that's by strutting over to adfreeshows.com right now, where you get my world and all of my podcasts early and ad-free on video for as low as $9 a month. That's just 30 cents an episode, 100% the best value in all of wrestling. Strut on over to adfreeshows.com right now to sign up. Recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to My World. And of course, we couldn't do it without the Hall of Famer himself, boys and girls, your friend and mine, Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Jeff, how are you, man? Conrad Thompson, happy Monday morning. We
1: have had a lot going on, a little technical difficulties. We, uh, might drop in and out here. We're working our best, but Conrad and, uh, producer Steven are gonna, it's way above my pay grade as they say here, uh, in the South Conrad, how are you, man? We got a lot to catch up on, don't we?
0: Man, I'm excited. You know, we, uh, we finally know who's going to the super bowl. Can't wait to get some of your, uh, half-assed handicapper predictions. Uh, I want to ask park, what you thought about Chris park. you warning. Go ahead, Conrad. Sorry. Wanted to ask you about, uh, the Royal rumble, uh, what you thought of that show and then, uh, catch up, see what you thought about our little shindig in St. Louis,
1: where do we start? I mean, I just, you know, Conrad, kind of are you ready to not only throw somebody under the bus, but like run over him and back up and run over and back up a couple of times. I'm game. If you are. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I didn't realize we'd get right into it, but. I mean, Chris Bark is borderline delusional these days. He is actually saying he's like, um, "Who's the guy who called the home run, Mickey Mantle or yeah, Babe Ruth?"
0: Babe Ruth, or yeah.
1: Babe Ruth, my bad, Babe, Babe Ruth. He's like, "Oh yeah, you talk about a bandwagon jumper." He oh. doesn't even live in Cincinnati. He's he a is
0: big, is he's tucky. a big Bengals fan now.
1: Oh yeah, I called the shot. I told you that Tannehill. He's he's like reliving the Titans game, and then all of a sudden he's 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 texting me yesterday talking about what an expert he is. And I knew they would beat the chiefs and the burrows, this and chases, I just, it got so nauseatingly out of hand, but, um, the Bengals Cinderella story. And then,
0: um, man, we got the Rams. Who you so, got with uh, all the bullshit. Who you got? <laughs>
1: Rams home field Uh it's look, Roger Goodell may be one of the greatest bookers of all time. For real. He's getting the NFL uh football observer torch um Matt watch uh booker uh of maybe like booker of the lifetime because every year he comes up with something good. But SoFi Stadium, they got the Super Bowl, they wanted to make sure that they Babyface uh, baby face goes over. I mean, I think it's just that simple. Um uh, Burrow and the the heels. They've talked knocked off two number one seeds, so they got to build up this this team really good, sort of out of nowhere. But uh they're doing the J O B big time uh at the Super Bowl. That's my prediction. So
0: the Rams are a four-point favorite, and you're saying take the Rams minus four? Yes. yes, sir. I am. I'm going the other way. I'm with Chris Parks, the man's the genius. Uh oh my gosh. Joe Burrow flag. is the, is gonna be, you know, the new uh flag bearer for the hype machine that is the NFL. And this is going to be a passing of the torch. I'm not going to say he's going to be the next Joe Montana. I'm not going to say he's going to be the next Tom Brady, but I am saying, remember how excited people were a few years ago about Patrick, Mahomes? Now it feels to be Joe Burrow's time. And, uh, I think the tired ass Rams are going to take a little nap. So I'm going against you and I would have done literally the opposite of whatever you said. I could have been persuaded to go either way, but for the sake of good radio, uh, I'm picking the Bengals. You and Chris Park. its just too much. Chris right Parks there. is a known genius. If you—if you really ask around, the I was just talking to Bruce that the other day.
1: Conversation at SmackDown in Nashville, and he has just tabulated more lies out of a three-minute conversation about he's Babe Ruth calling every shot, and he's this NFL handicapper and an expert. Truth be known, he's a Steeler fan. He's a bandwagon jumper. He's the only man I know that drafted Pac Man Jones in his fantasy football league three years after Pac Man retired. That's who you're dealing with. Uh, uh, that, Conrad, that is exactly who you partnered up with. You couldn't pick Pac Man Jones. Oh, you, you, contrary, my friend. No, no.
0: He's a cornerback. He, you pick a he defense. You can't pick Oh a, No.
1: Look, You have you ever done a fantasy football draft in, in person? Yes. Okay. They have those write-in deals.
0: He wrote in a defensive player.
1: Well, with, without question. Okay. He, he drafted Witten when, when Witten about uh, Jason Witten. Cause he's a big cowboy guy. He drafted Jason Witten when Witten was in the booth.
0: Well, okay. So maybe, <laughs> maybe, I mean, you know, some of that's probably your fault too. Some of those damn monsters, ball matches, you probably put, probably put him through one too many.
1: Uh, the fantasy football draft we used to hear. I, I have at my house uh, every year. Uh, Bob Ryder would bring the biggest, thickest steaks. And uh, that's how we would start off with steak appetizers and then steak and potatoes and Karen would cook. And, oh, man, we used to have a good time. But it would, um, it would be known to go uh, into late in the evening. Uh, that was, you know, BS uh, days. Uh, but, man, a lot of fun. And Abyss is legendary at drafts. Pac-Man, Jason Witten, um, he would pick two quarterbacks in the first four or five rounds. Maybe the worst, literally, and I got lots of folks to back this up. My my good friend and confidant, uh, Rudy Charles, Dan Engler, could probably back me up. And, you know, Dan, uh, I won the championship in the TNA League this year, and Dan won it in the uh, WWE League. So us as co-champions, he would back me up. That, that Abyss, Chris Park is the worst fantasy football player maybe in the history of the game and that's taking in a lot of ground.
0: Well, let's talk about uh our live show experience. We had uh, a packed oh, house.
1: Lord, <laughs>
0: we had a packed house there in Cincinnati. Uh not in Cincinnati. We're talking about the Bengals in St. Louis. And um I had a lot of fun, man. Nick Aldous was our special guest. We had a pretty lively crowd. They had a lot of great questions. We heard a lot of great stories. Uh you fumbled through some, you didn't want to tell in front in public. And I won't make you do that again. Uh, but it was a fun time, at least for me. What was your experience?
1: Conrad, it wasn't fun. It was a blast. Good. I just had that kind of feeling that, you know, we did our first one and it was, um, you know, I think we'd only been doing like five episodes and we did shout out to Jimmy's, uh, in Baltimore, but that was, we were still sort of pandemic ish and all this, but this one, uh, with our, with our, Buddy Eric Bischoff and I knew our dynamic, and uh, of course you uh, telling uh, your thievery jokes that you stole from Cassio. You were in rare form, but uh, all kidding decide, Conrad, that live show was a blast, and I I enjoyed myself. And as an old promoter, if the talent is having a good time, enjoying themselves, or into the match, or into the show, or whatever it may be. It just sort of rubs off, and the three of us got up there. And then, obviously, as you said, Nick joined us. But Cassio and Dave Silva and Dawkins, shout-out to the to Josh, the entire team. I know I'm going to forget somebody, Dave Green. Um, I mean, I could go – the audio, Lord, I could go on and on. But, man, great crew, lots of fun. Um, <laughs> Conrad, I know you weren't over there at the VIP, but as me and Eric were signing VIPs, it was – uh, lots of NWO comments uh, for for Eric and mm-hmm. the, for the obvious reason. And an overwhelming pro horseman, Jeff Conrad's full of shit. Right. He always just like to needle you. Uh, can you do, can you hold up four in the picture? Uh, I mean, it was, no, it was a lot of fun. Everybody that came out, uh, again, that's really my first experience of that. You know, it's a rumble weekend and the vibe. and Conrad, I had a blast.
0: Well, I'm glad to hear it because, uh, we're going to be doing it again. We've got another live show lined up and the announcement will be done later this week. So keep on top of our socials. And before you hear from, uh, Jeff and I, again, we'll have some big news about our next live show. It's going to be fun, dude.
1: Love it. I love it. You know, rumble weekend is, and you said this day one, you know, getting it around a wrestling event and the buzz and the excitement. That's the fun part. Yeah. And, and we were pregame for a lot of folks, which is cool. They, they come out, got to have a good time. Um, and yeah, it goes without saying, I love a packed house.
0: I love a full house. Who doesn't. And, and boy, we're going to be talking about some not so packed houses today. Uh, we're going to be talking about 1995 WWF. Uh, this is an, an interesting time in your life to say the least. Before we get going, though, I want to uh, take your temperature. What did you think of the Royal Rumble this past weekend? Conrad, I was
1: sitting here thinking this morning. I got me a quick workout through your tweet, that I'm going to have to carry you again, which is obviously everybody knows it's the other way around. Uh, What a month, and I won't go too deep into it, but um, as sort of my week transpired and lots, I was up in Springfield, Illinois, which is the baseball, Capital City Baseball. um, Oh, I'll throw in a little update there conrad on 217 on february 17 at 217 p.m in the 217 um rumor has it we're going to be coming out with the new brand um so a lot of moving parts lots of fun stay tuned to my social and and capital city capital fund all that but um, reason i bring that up is man as you know i was in Virginia on the Senate floor and game changer wrestling and the last outlaw. And then I was baseball three days last week. And so, uh, made the decision is which you're aware of. I said, you know, we're doing that live show on Saturday. Why do I need to rush back home? Why don't I go to the rumble? So Friday night, I, I decided anyway, uh, driving home, spent a couple of days in Springfield, uh, this past week and drove home, which is really close to St. Louis and drove home. Um, My daughter played high school basketball uh, Friday. We got a W. Uh, (laughs) And so Saturday morning, uh, because Cody, uh, my son, didn't get a a chance to go to SmackDown the week before, and we surprised him, and we're going to make a weekend out of it. And uh, so me, Karen, and and Codes got up early Saturday morning and headed off to the National Airport, going to catch a quick flight up there, and then come to the live show and then go to the Rumble. But Conrad, I turned the car in at National, Went into the airport and walked up to the counter and the guy in front of me, I could tell by the look on his face, face uh, flight canceled. <laughs> so, uh, I knew that we had to get to the live show. So what did I do? I just sort of did a quick U-turn and Karen going, what is going on? And Cody's going, dad, what's going on? What's going on? Anyway, went right back. I wish I could have gotten the, the, the nice SUV that I'd rented, uh, earlier in the week to go up there, but, uh, jumped in the car, rented a car, drove the Whatever five five and a half hours did the live show had a blast. Karen and Cody got ready at the hotel and they went and um, you know right up there at the top of my favorite matches to watch are Royal Rumble. We used to call them Gauntlet for the Golden TNA, but just the the concept. And I always think of Pat Patterson, no matter what, when I see that type of match. And so um, you know in a dome, and uh, I had some folks from uh, the gaming uh, company that I'm working with uh moonsault we were up there in, in a suite and had some conversations and you know we we just think of we we, we sort of went down um, memory lane in a lot of ways uh but man what was it forty four thousand? regardless it's in a dome um man the wrestlemania sign caught on fire but it, i think it brought more attention to that it's the beauty of our business but um Royal rumble. It is always a unique setup and it's just positioned right? Uh, chronologically wise. And you know, a lot of fun got to see, uh, Johnny Knoxville, bad bunny. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, as Jeff, I started
0: all this by asking what she thought of it and you told me how to make a watch. Now I just want to okay, know, Conrad,
1: are you in a bad mood? <laughs>
0: no, I just want to know what you thought of the fucking show. It was Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you this. I thought the undercard, you know, I, I was not online. I, I had the, uh, I should say good misfortune of, I, I did not remember to bring a charger on this trip. And then somebody that I was rooming with loaned me their charger and somebody on this program right now left their charger while we were out. So at that point, uh, everyone was sort of shy to offer up their charger to me as well. They should be, I was a bad friend. So my phone died. So I did not get to see any sort of live reactions or or talking points on social about the show. So I finished the show and thought, okay, I didn't really like the men's rumble, but it was fun because I did the squares thing with my buds. And that was kind of fun just to have some sort of vested interest. And I didn't really like one of the other matches that I don't want to shit on. Uh, but I, I, I didn't really like one other match, but I thought the rest of the show was really good. I thought, Seth Rollins presentation doing the whole shield throwback was fantastic. I love the little wrinkle with, uh, everything we got going on now with Brock and, and certainly with Heyman and, and, and it was a good show. I, I, I thought it was a good show. And then imagine my surprise when I get online and everybody says, oh, this is one of the worst. And I agree. I didn't really love the actual men's rumble. Uh, but I thought overall, as far as I'm just watching with my buddies and watching a wrestling show, pretty damn strong show. I felt.
1: Damn, dude. I didn't realize we were going to get a, get a whole Meltzer. Was that 30 or 40,000 words? I
0: just, I just wanted to know sort of your quick feedback and you gave me a Meltzer. Well, here's, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to tell you about the SUV I rented for another venture. I said, Jeff, what'd you think of the rumble? Well, I was in Springfield and I drove down and I got to the plane and my son didn't get to go and. Then when we got there, there was these guys that you don't know on the show here, but I was in there with them and the sign caught on fire. And I just want to know what you thought about the fucking match.
1: Hey, but all kid decide, Maybe we're off to a roaring start. January. was crazy.
0: Um, it was a crazy time, man. We, we, you and I just behind the scenes worked on so much weird and different and new stuff, but this is like the prime time for everybody in wrestling, certainly the WWF. Uh, and we're going to be talking about the WWF back in '95 here, but call it now. uh, or, or Who's going to win? Is it going to be Ronda Rousey? Is it going to be Charlotte? You're a half ass handicapper, Booker. Who's going to win? WrestleMania night one, we assume if Ronda Rousey's there, she's going to be in one of the main events. And I assume uh, that uh, Brock and, and Roman will be on night two. Nobody's told me that. I'm just guessing as a wrestling fan. Would you pick Ronda Rousey? Charlotte Flair. I mean, I've, Conrad, you know,
1: this is probably better than anybody. I think Charlotte may be the greatest talent currently. I, I do. But Rhonda didn't come back to lose.
0: That's exactly right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, 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 and Charlotte will keep on keeping on. But, um, yeah. R- Rhonda, um, hey, hey, handicappers and betters and Lloyds of London's and, any sports book out of there, bet the farm on Rhonda. Bet the farm. Um, but let me ask you, go back real quick. I'd love to ask your opinion because Conrad, you can no longer say that you're just a fan. But I am. You, you know, uh, no, you, yes, you are, and I am a fan too. But I'd love to hear you. Why do you think they chose not to go with any surprises? And I, you know, I was a surprise a couple of years ago. I think notoriously, it's built that cachet over the last. I don't know, five, 10 years, maybe, maybe longer than that. 15 years of just the quick one-offs and Bushwhacker Luke going down the ring and eliminated quick or, you know, whatever. And I don't want to say it's all comedy, but there's surprises and comedy and big pie, big pops. And, oh my God, why do you think they went with no surprises from a uh, talent perspective? Just curiously.
0: I think it was. So the Brock thing wasn't a disappointment. I felt like if they would have had a bunch of different surprises and, you know, number 30 is coming, but you don't know who it is then you build it up. Like, Hey, if we got this little surprise, we got that. Who could it be? What could it be? But when it was Brock and he was the guy, I think as a surprise, they, they did it right and brought him out of 30. And I know there's a lot of, a lot of my friends, I just hung up the phone with a guy who used to work in the business. who thought, Oh, that was terrible. They shouldn't have put it on Brock. And I thought, well, that was probably the best thing in the rumble to me. Cause you, you know, we have a story now to, the Royal rumble is not an event in and of itself. I know we want to believe that, but this is what sets the table for WrestleMania. And I felt like when the show was over, well, it's pretty damn well set. So I thought it was good.
1: Yeah. I, and I'm, I'm with you on that. Cause there's look, it's a subjective creative is subjective. I would have gone the other way. I would have had almost, I don't want to say too many surprises, but multiple where you're just like, Oh my God, who else are they going to bring out? And then boom, because Brock is Brock. Anyway, we could slice and dice this a thousand ways. Well, Uh, you know, we didn't
0: get a a ton of female surprises. I mean, there were a lot of female surprises. And I think, you know, if you're going to, and you had regular guys returning, I say regular, like Drew McIntyre had a big return and I thought that was cool. Conrad,
1: Um, did you see this? I don't know if it came up. We hadn't even chatted folks. Um, One of the biggest surprises for me was Mickey James got a hell of a sort of unique pop. And, you know, when she waved the belt live, now I'm not saying it came across on TV, but live, I was watching it. It had a really cool pop. And then when Bobby and AJ stared down and they started the TNA chant, I don't know if that came across, but it was definitely, you could hear it in in the arena. That was a surprise to me. Interesting. It hadn't been TNA in 10 years. It's been impact since the muddied waters of 11
0: and 12 and 13. It was a cool moment though, wasn't it? Did it come across on TV? Because I yeah, I, I it came across yeah. on TV. We heard it.
1: Yeah, interesting.
0: Afford anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about. What are you waiting for? Hurry up and go to savewithconrad.com. Hurry up and start saving money. That's what we're talking about. Keeping more of your own money. That really is what we do with save with How's this for starters? No house payments for two months. And when it comes time for you to start making payments two months from now, it's going to be the best deal you ever had. You see, not only are we going to get you the best interest rate you ever had. We're also going to help you get out of debt faster and do it with cheaper monthly payments. Now you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. But if you're in a 30 year loan, it's not a matter of if we can save you money. It really is a matter of how much, and I'm sure, you know, by now your house is worth more than ever before. Why not use that newfound equity to get rid of your private mortgage insurance? That PMI, as we like to call it could save you hundreds of dollars each and every month, and you could be paying it unnecessarily. Stop giving your money away, get rid of your PMI, get the best rate you ever had, and Hey, if you've got credit card debt, what are you doing? The average interest rate is over 19% on credit cards in America, and you know you can do better than that. Plus, the interest you pay on a credit card is not tax-deductible. So not only can we get you a better rate, but a greater tax deduction too. If you can get a lower monthly payment and a greater tax deduction and save tens of thousands of dollars by paying your house off faster, why wouldn't you? Hurry. Find out how much money you can save for free at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender, And that's right. Don't forget, skip your next two payments at save with com. Did, uh, did you and Karen just sort of look at each other in the suite in that moment and say, can you believe this?
1: Karen, uh, she wasn't around, but the the other three guys just kind of looked over at me and I'm just like, well, how about that? Um, it was pretty cool. I was, I was, that was an interesting, again, the the reason, the thing that immediately went to my mind was literally it's, it's not like 10, a just ended, they've been branded impact since 12 and they didn't Chad impact. They, you know, I just thought that was really interesting.
0: Well, I'm pretty fired up about, uh, what's next for us here on the show. Of course, nobody knows exactly what's next for WWE, but what's next for you. And I, as we talk about 1995, now, (laughs) if you haven't already check out episode 12, walking out on Vince, we tell sort of the first part. Of this story about in your house 2 Uh, let's pick it up though. July 29th, 1995 superstars, which is, uh, I guess the second biggest show behind Monday night raw here, you're brought up on TV as they're trying to recap what happened with you and Sean and in your house Two, And it's speculated that you and the roadie broke up. And for the first time it's talked about how you were lip-syncing and roadie was the one who was likely the singer I'm curious. Is this something now that you've sort of done your business, are you still watching the program just to see how to handle it? Or does that just cloud your brain? And, and I guess for what we call these days, mental health, you would say, nah, I'm not going to watch that. It's just going to annoy me and piss me off.
1: Conrad and uh shout out to Derek and, and all the researchers, you know, this whole process of launching the pod and now we're almost 40 episodes, the research is always Done an excellent job of at least jarring my memory. And the thing that I'm trying to really recall, and I don't have specifics on all of it, is is that yes, uh, we used to call it back in the day "cracked." Jeff cracked. Uh, I had, you know, it would, it was, it was, it was everything that sort of converged at once—the creative, but on the road, a, a boatload. Brian, um, I'll say this and you know, wasn't playing by the rules and that was weighing on me and we were about to do an angle, uh, where we, we halfway did it, but we left before we completely executed it. Anyway, I remember going home and I for probably for the first time in my life. Uh, and I don't know that it's really happened since I just kind of unplugged, like completely unplugged. So I don't really recall. Uh, I remember obviously, Uh, Talking to my attorney, he was Atlanta-based, and uh, they had a conversation probably a week or maybe that week, uh, obviously pay-per-view on the Sunday that week, and basically just said, hey, this is going to cool off. Uh, Jeff was very unhappy, and uh, Vince McMahon and Bruce and Pat, I don't think they were in the mood to talk to me (laughs) either. So it was just a cooling off, and I didn't know. So I, I didn't watch it, and I'm not sure when I picked back up on it, because I wanted to decompress. I had run hard, uh, for several years and I just wanted to decompress.
0: So does somebody tell you what they're saying or how do you first hear about it? I guess is what I'm trying to figure out. Or did you just think, well, that was the original plan. So I'm just wondering, was this a point of contention? Is this something you're disappointed to hear pissed off about, or you're like, okay, well, I guess that's the next step. What was the approach?
1: So when Brian walked out, when me and Brian walked out, I don't know if you even know this, if we've even shared this. Brian moved in with me.
0: No, I didn't know that.
1: Okay. So, you know, i am just, I, I don't know that if me and him did or didn't watch it or if my dad watched it or, you know, obviously AOL chat rooms were going on, but I, I wasn't that, you know, I didn't pick it up on the internet. I don't really remember exactly, um, how I heard about it. I mean, we're about to get into the era of, of I'm, remember sitting on my dad's couch, the first episode of, of nitro. But as far as this kind of stuff, I don't remember even being mad, glad, sad, unhappy. What the hell are they doing? I mean, the, the, my best recollection was Vince had to take care of him, take care of his business. And they'd invested in that. And, you know, whether it's cassette tapes or, whatever they were going to sell. Um, I knew they were going to do with exactly what they wanted to do, but I just wasn't really sure, but it wasn't my concern.
0: They're also selling a t-shirt and cassette tape of yours as well. Um, this is interesting that we're saying, Hey, uh, it wasn't this guy singing. Oh, by the way, get your new Jeff Jarrett tape and cassette. And it's, it's a little weird that the timing of all this, but on some level they've made an investment in the merch. We got to move that stuff, but you're a heel. It's interesting. Is it not?
1: It it is. And here's, you know, when I drill down as much as I can and go back in that time, it's like, there's so many things that we could, and I won't get long winded today, Conrad that, 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 um, that the, my perspective was. I didn't like, look, I, I'm not, I will never hide, but I didn't like the creative. I thought it was way too soon. But the sort of the underbelly of the whole thing is I'm not going to throw my best butt under the bus, but guys, he's not playing by the rules. And I, I, that isn't a maybe, that isn't, hmm, I wonder, you know, we're just coming off the steroid and, you know, there were multiple times where we were tested twice in a week and, and all that, and I'm not throwing Brian under the bus here. It was just a really effed up situation because they were wanting to go through with this angle and I didn't like it creatively, but execution wise, I'm saying Brian has already failed one test. He's going to fail again. What the hell are we doing here? Um, it was a mess, man. It was really a mess. Um, and you know, maybe my old school brain, how are you going to sell merch on a heel? It ain't, ain't much going to sell anyway. And the song hadn't been exposed. So, you know, there's some bad taste from a creative perspective. Oh, Jeff, man, he can really sing. Oh, no, he can't. Brian can sing. wait, Brian The roadie. So anyway, it was convoluted it, when you get into the merch discussion discussion, in my opinion.
0: Well, especially you when you're me? running that same promo on the episode where you're revealing, it's not really you, like you would think that you would run those promos for a while and then the reveal, but I guess there's this concern of, we don't know what they're doing and they didn't do business. So we're just going to do it anyway. I mean, yeah, it's weird.
1: Tried to make the best of a bad situation would be my thought that, you know, Bruce and Pat and Vince and.
0: Well, everybody knows it's every promoter out there knows you're hard to do business with. I mean, that's what everybody says, right?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I held Vince up. I was not under contract, but I did the job anyway. That makes a lot of sense.
0: There you go. Isn't that fun though? Just that narrative that I think everybody forgets that you didn't have to show up. You didn't have to. And, and you went up there and you lost still anyway, you did. What was and, asked even when you weren't legally obligated to.
1: And here's another thing that I know, Sean Michaels, we've had the discussion multiple times back then. And I don't know if we referenced when we did the watch along, I didn't like the angle. Okay. So the little bitch or baby would say, I'm not showing up. I'm not doing the stupid angle.
0: But what did I do, Conrad? You went and showed up and got covered in flour and let a woman beat you and got your money no, and went well, on to this
1: it. night that we're talking about the walkout.
0: Oh yeah. Sean
1: beat me, And then we just stopped it right there. So they got the, from a promotional perspective, it wasn't all, it could have been much, much worse. And I'm not trying to get on my high horse here, but look, from a talent perspective, Sean got the title and he moved on. What was damaged was me who didn't like creative and my, uh, you know, my, my partner, my sidekick Rody, and all that, who was not necessarily. And look, I've been in his shoes as well. Not necessarily taking, putting business first, shall we say? So it was a messed up deal, but, um, your narrative that you continue to, uh, <laughs>
0: peel out, the, uh, <laughs> buddy at, oh, at right. this point, it's, on, Conrad. it's so clear to me that it's tongue in cheek. I mean, you think about all the guys. Austin walked out because he, he didn't want to lose to Brock Lesnar with no build up. You let China cover you in flour and whip your ass with an ironing board. <laughs> and you he, are so eloquent. I mean, I'm just saying <laughs> like that's <laughs> what happened, and people are like, "Oh, Jeff's tough to do business with." Says what? Yeah, yeah, he he wasn't even legally obligated to be there, and he still showed up and 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 got humiliated and embarrassed, but he got paid for the rack. I mean, who would have done anything differently anyway? Um, do you remember getting royalties in this era for your merch? I'm just curious. And I'm not saying this to be funny, but the whole premise of this is a heel who is telling us he's a country music swing, singer, but we've never actually heard him sing. And then when we do, we almost immediately reveal, Oh no, it's not really him, but buy the tape, please go buy the tape. Here's where you can send money to a PO box to buy this fucking tape. Did you make any money on that? Do you remember seeing any statements? Anything ring a bell?
1: I'm sure I made some money, but nothing to write home about. In those days, Conrad specifically as a heel, um, that you know there weren't t-shirts and you know Brett and Razor; those guys were making serious bank. Um, you know the the European market was hot; they were making good money. Uh, the things that I immediately, when I would open my royalty check uh, every quarter, go right to Coliseum Home Video. Uh, that was the number one, uh, you know, uh, I don't even, you know, figures and, and video games were the other two, three or three, two, however you want to say it. But, uh, that's where the money was. I don't remember making, it was very minimal <laughs> off of that song. Very minimal.
0: It's serious. fun to think about, you know, that you get this 80 page document and Oh, there's my tape. And we sold, like you said, 14. I mean, I know it's more than that, but the point is you're a heel who's buying it. It's just the whole idea is, I don't know, a little, a little fun to think about
1: Millie Vanilli.
0: Yes. But we're going to, we, but this time we know it's a fake and we want to buy it. Like that's stretching.
1: Well, if you look at Millie Vanilli's chart sales, when they got exposed, they were untouchable. Yeah. Like legit. I mean, from a business perspective, the, the label said, okay, it's over. We're not invested another penny in them. Not one. It was game set match. That's what was a little confusing to me. And I know from a wrestling 30,000 viewpoint and I, and I get it. I totally get where Bruce and Pat and Vince were going with all of it. Um, but I just didn't see legs in it. And you know, as we're discussing right now, I didn't see the money in it
0: either. So let's, uh, let's talk about what we're doing. Uh, in real life, you said earlier, well, I remember talking to Sean and I think you even referenced back then, are you in any communication with any of your old running mates here at the fed? Or are they calling to say, Jeff, what's going on? Or Jeff, when are you coming back? Or Jeff, here's I mean, what I heard. What's that like?
1: Do I remember any specific calls? Like, cause Kevin Nash, um, you know, I can see us having a phone call or two and, and Scott hall, maybe a phone call or two. But it was, Hey man, you getting your stuff worked out. Yep, It's in legal's hands. Oh boy. Get ready to shuffle paper. Yep. That's exactly what's going on. That's about it. Just awesome. checking in as buddies. That's it.
0: So you're replaced on the house shows. Uh, you've been scheduled against one, two, three kid, uh, and now taking your spot will be Waylon mercy who, uh, in real okay. life, we know is Dan Spivey. Love uh,
1: Dan Spivey. Love that man.
0: You were also promoted uh, for a Madison square garden show in August, it was supposed to be you and Sid taking on diesel and Sean Michaels. How fun would that have been? I mean, since you are up here lying to everybody saying that you were a member of the click, that would have been you and all your buddies, right?
1: It's plus Sid. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it's one of those ones that I have seen multiple times through the years. You know, you can't say regret, but hey, that would have been another Madison square garden event. So you can get those, you take them, but yes. Um, Sure would have, and that would have been, um, who do you think would have been taking all the bumps in that? Me, uh, you
0: know? Jeffro Tuttle.
1: Yeah. And, and, and roadie, but no, it'd been fun though. That would have been, um, it, you know, it, it would have been good because it would have been a lot of fun because me and Sean had our story and then, uh, you know, Kevin diesel and Sid and with roadie, uh, we would have had an entertaining match and obviously that's why they booked it.
0: Well, since you're out, they put men on a mission in the spot. Of course. Cause you know, when I think about, you know, and that's the thing, really Bruce has taught us a lot of things on something to wrestle, but one of the big ones is if you can't deliver what was originally advertised, the replacement must be bigger. Well, literally men on a mission are bigger, so big fellas. there taking your spot. Uh, the, the torch would write this Sunday night, July 30th, Jeff Gere and Vince McMahon had a two hour phone conversation. At the conclusion of the conversation, both Jarrett and McMahon are said to have worked through the disputed issues, those being Jarrett's lack of pinfall victories and the future of Jarrett. After he is exposed as a phony singer, they settled those issues and came to an agreement where Jarrett would return to the WWF and pick up the angle. His return though, wouldn't necessarily be immediate. It could be two months down the line or later, as it turns out though, What appears to be a misunderstanding confused the issue. Jarrett called McMahon back the next day as they agreed he would to propose a scenario for Jarrett's return. McMahon at that point told Jarrett, he should no longer call him and their respective lawyers would finish off all negotiations for him to return. Jarrett was said to have been shocked at McMahon's matter of fact tone, considering they had become virtual friends the night before. So let's talk about this. Um that's directly from the torch. What say Jeff?
1: So the boy, they've got it down to the Sunday. The first call was employee, employer, but it was, hey, let's talk about this. And it wasn't two hours, but I'd say he's a good hour. Um, and so maybe Sunday being Vince's off day. But we did you know, I, the thing that I can remember, sort of the takeaway it, <laughs> that Vince eloquently said, you know, Jeff, if I walk to the window, if you walk to the window and, and I'm at the desk and you say, hey, Vince, it might rain out there. I'm ex- next time, next go around. I'm I'm uh, expecting a tornado or something to that, you know, like like he had no idea how frustrated I was. And I didn't communicate that with him. So, as I've said many times on this podcast, uh, and I tell myself this over and over and over, whether it's personal or professional, over-communicate. You you may drive some folks, if Karen's ever listening, she'd she'd know this, over-communicate. But I didn't communicate that, so here we are 30 years later, and I'll take the fall for that. But Vince didn't have any clue that I was this frustrated uh, wish I would have voiced it to it. He was upset. I was upset. Um, you know, we sort of hashed it out and it was by the time we got to the end of that conversation, maybe it went two hours. I, I don't know, but it was, where do we go from here? And he, here's something that in those days, you know, they bu- booked, I don't want to say months and months in advance, but they had quite a bit of lead time. As the years have gone on, you can tell that it's, much short of a window. And I think coming out of the attitude there and then look, I don't want to get into WWE creative mindset, but it's things change and it's not like it used to be. So, you know, I was, uh, it's the vacuum effect. I pulled myself out of that vacuum and it was filled with Waylon mercy and men on a mission and whatever other storylines, cause they got to keep on keeping on. Um, and so the end of the call was basically, Hey Jeff, sure. Let's reconnect. And uh, give me some ideas, and we'll go from there. But basically that night, I had a strong, strong feeling that, okay, I'll return when Vince is ready. He's the boss. Weren't any nothing set in stone, but he heard me out. Cooler heads had definitely cooled off, um, and it was just a conversation that okay, where do we go from here? And he didn't have the answer. Even if he did, he didn't have to tell it to me. And I certainly didn't have the answer. Um, and it was, you know, that was, let's put a pin in this conversation and figure out where we're going to go from here.
0: Time to tell you about something. I'm super passionate about protecting your family. Yes, this is a life insurance ad for goliathlife.com. But to me, this is really about peace of mind. Think about insurance for a second. We all get medical and auto insurance, yet we never even know if we're going to have a need for it. Let me let you in on a little secret. You need life insurance. We're all going to die. Now, as you let that reality sink in, think about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow. If you don't have a plan for that, you need to visit GoliathLife.com. And I mean right now. And just personally, I've lost two friends in their forties this past year and a half, and I don't even want to think about what their families would be going through. Had they not had life insurance? If you don't have it, get it, protect your family. And I suggest you go to goliathlife.com because they've made the process of getting affordable life insurance, super easy. Goliath life streamlines the life insurance process by allowing you to get quotes for more than 20 carriers within minutes. And you'll pick your terms and payments to fit your budget. You pick your price. You start the online application immediately and even schedule the medical exam to come to you. And I've done it. They sent someone to my office. I skipped the phone calls, the paperwork, and the crazy invasive conversations. Goliath life makes buying life insurance simple. There's no hidden fees, no upsells, no hassle. Hell, not even a phone call. Goliath life is life insurance in your hands on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at GoliathLife.com. So chat me up the, the call the next day it's viewed as sort of a, an about face is the way it's recapped. So there's the initial call and then the follow-up call and The torch would say the above story surfaced last week because McMahon's version of what happened was different than Jarrett's McMahon told various people that Jarrett called him an asshole as they concluded their conversation. Sunday night, McMahon told people he was dismayed because he too thought they had gotten along. So great as it turns out, McMahon told Jarrett from now on Jarrett should speak up louder and let him know immediately if he has any problems with the way his career is being handled by the WWF. Jarrett has admitted to being timid in the past. As a rib, Jarrett basically said, okay, asshole, you'll know how I feel in the future. It was his way of showing McMahon he knew he could be up front with him. Jarrett laughed immediately afterwards and said it was a sarcastic comment. McMahon, who as one observer put it, wants badly to be one of the boys, doesn't understand how the boys talk to each other. He was offended by Jarrett's comment and apparently took it wrong. That slowed negotiations and caused man to move the negotiations to the lawyers. Is that really what this is? You were trying to joke around with a guy who you felt you were friendly with now, and you called him an asshole and he took it personally.
1: No, I don't recall that at all. It didn't happen. And I don't believe it was the next day because I wrote Vince a letter and I'm trying to think with some ideas and I don't know if it was the day after. I don't know, but I wrote him a letter. Um, I, it just wasn't the day after. But I, I know that the next call we had, maybe within the calendar week or so, and it was, I noticed, I, I, you know, we, we got on the call, and he was, you know, and I often thought then and all through the, the time, I don't know if he went and had a conversation with Bruce and Pat. and Bruce and Pat were like, F him, we've moved on. I don't trust him. Why can you, how can you ever put eggs in a basket and, you know, a guy walk out, you know, and I, I, that's the nature of the beast and that's the creative process. And that's what creative team members do. They don't want to, um, and I've worked with Bruce obviously since then, you know, they don't want to put their time and effort and uh, brain power to something if a guy's not going to play by their rules. And Vince being the promoter, the ultimately one and Conrad, you've set in these shoes that, okay, how's Jeff going to affect my bottom line? i am put up with him being a pain in the ass or I put up with this. It's, it's what's your threshold of pain. And, um, but I do remember Vince's, I call it tone, but it's not like, and he basically said, Hey, the legal situation has to work its way out. Um, it's in the legal hands. And Jeff, um, you know we're just not ready and that's when i went okay this isn't going to be anything that's going to happen in the next week or two you know they want to and and i learned from this that Vince wanted to get his head around what direction he was going to take the double j character i also think and thought then okay they are probably going to do some due diligence on Brian on Road Dog and kind of find out where his head's at Because what do they have? Me and Brad exited in Nashville after the IC title match. So what are next steps as a package or is it not a package? So, but I do remember distinctly coming off that second call. And I say a different tone because it was business. And Jeff, you stay in touch with your lawyer. That's what we're, you know, Vince did shift it to that, but it wasn't none of this. Jeff called him and I mean, that's just, Hey man, it's good writing and it's good well, this is pre clickbait, but it's a great way to sell. You know, it's good reading. It's, it's, it's a uh, juicy stuff. It's meat on that bone, but, uh, all the, was- st-
0: all, all the story came from your side. This is your camp. WWF, WWF's not telling Wade all this. I'm not saying you are, but let's not well, act yeah. like your dad didn't. Exactly. Your dad fed all of this. So if if there's an issue and we're going to dunk on somebody, it can't be weighed for just writing what your dad said. Right.
1: It, it, it's them two, right? I mean, I don't know exactly
0: uh Well, but you're saying oh it's fiction, blah, blah, blah. That to the listener is like, oh, Wade's Jeff says Wade's making all this up. No, Jeff's writing what Jeff's dad said.
1: No, no. What, what? I'm saying is, is okay, so maybe uh Jerry's the, the 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 lead writer and Wade is his assistant, collaborator. I don't know how you want to say it. It absolutely had to have been them two.
0: But what I'm saying is this is not Fiction to get clicks. This is your dad trying to police the narrative in the dirt sheets. And he's, he's looking out for you here. It's well-intended is what I'm trying to say. He's not trying to meddle. He's trying to help his son. Can we agree on that?
1: Um, in my humble professional opinion, he may have had that mindset. I have no idea how you can say, Oh, this is going to help my son out. Go talk about stuff that really didn't happen. Cause Vince knows exactly how the call went. And I do too.
0: Well, I, I presume, I, 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 I presume I, I he's doing this to increase leverage and opportunity outside of WWE.
1: Okay. And and I do remember having these conversations and I know, look, I have learned so much over the last 20, 30 years. And I was definitely naive specifically to some of just the story behind the story and the politics, and just really trying to read between the tea leaves. And he was a, a consultant at WCW, but I made it very clear uh, to my wife at the time, to Brian at the time, to my dad, to to my stepmom. I had um, you know a year and three or four months on my contract, and I I felt I was I know this right or wrong, but I felt I was backed in a corner at that pay per view, and let me just step away and try to figure out next steps. I don't want to do this angle. Never intended on leaving. I wanted to work for Vince then, and I wanted to work for Vince, you know, whether it was a month down the road, two weeks down the road, or it ended up being, what, three months, four months down the road, five months down the road. But maybe my father had a different agenda. I'll say that diplomatically.
0: Also, I think your your father's also probably trying to make sure that, hey, we don't want the wwe spin to hit this you know if we learned anything from watching politics the last 35 years it's if there's some controversy you try to get in front of it i got you and and it feels like this is maybe your dad saying hey because you know and again i'm not trying to be political but in that era there were some political scandals and people learned just get in front of it you know, take, I mean, a few, yep. a few years prior to that, Clinton was confronted with, did you smoke marijuana? He had an answer and and then he played saxophone and everybody was cool. And, <laughs> and, and it just feels like to me, this is sort of your dad saying, Hey, son, we need to get in front of this. We don't want every, other promoters, whether it's Ted Turner or someone else to think, Oh, Jeff won't do business. Jeff's not trustworthy. Jeff's not reliable. And this can't be an angle because they didn't bring him back right away. So if your dad feels like, Hey, maybe that's fizzling. He probably thinks, let me run a little interference here and say, oh, it was a misunderstanding because this is how the boys talk to each other. And Jeff thought Vince wanted to be one of the boys. So he just said it. And no, normally he would not refer to his quote unquote boss that way. But after a two hour conversation, which again, I think that detail of, ah, it was an hour not two. that's your dad trying to say, well, no, after you've talked to a fella for two hours again, I think your dad's trying to be helpful here.
1: I got you. I hear you.
0: But, you know, maybe, maybe your dad was this evil mastermind trying to sabotage your whole damn career. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Uh, as it stands, as of Tuesday, August 8th, the respective lawyers are negotiating, doing the letter exchanging that lawyers tend to do the issues at stake now are how Jarrett's departure or quote unquote, leave of absence should affect his contract situation. His contract is not set to expire until the end of this year. Uh, he'll, how he'll be reintroduced. If he does agree to return is also not yet decided. All sources agree. It's about 80% that Jarrett will return this fall or winter. Brian Armstrong, AKA the roadie has been all, but dropped from consideration to being brought back. And he apparently feels comfortable with that. Although normally drug test results aren't reported on word was spread widely in the industry. Alleging that the drug test Roddy gave the night he left the WWF came back positive for a marijuana, I love the phrasing a marijuana, uh, which continued his streak. It's believed that now that Roddy realizes if he were to return to the WWF, he wouldn't last because of the legitimate drug testing the WWF does. The WWF has resigned themselves to that belief. Also, Roddy will become a significant player in Smoky Mountain and the USWA from this point forward lot to unpack here. Uh, you know, you've sort of beat around the bushes on the roadie issue a little bit these days. Uh, you know, obviously marijuana laws are a lot different. And and even a few years ago, I think the WWF's approach was starting to change. I don't know what all the particulars are. I just know that once upon a time, uh, we were led to believe as, as an American society, that this was a gateway drug and you'll start smoking marijuana before you know it, you're you're doing meth and crack and robbing old ladies. And, and, and none of that is really the way this thing's proven out to be true. So road dogs on the right side of history, if you will, but it's still a hot button issue on the heels of the steroid trial. And even Bret Hart wrote in his book. And we just talked about this a few weeks ago, that he feels like it was a major misstep by McMahon to test for marijuana. Meanwhile, you're sort of low key driving guys to prescription pain pills and alcohol as opposed to a coping mechanism for, Hey, I just took 38 flatbacks today with Bastion booger on a concrete ring. I'm going to need something. So that's the, the narrative. But to me, it almost looks like less about, we can't hire the roadie back because of the drug thing. And more like, Hey, we got to let the heat fall on somebody and we can, we can't just let the idea be that we've got to set an example. We can't just have every time Dick and Harry, whether you're curtain jerking or you're in the main event or you're in the mid card, just saying, oh, I don't like that and walking out, but we see more money in Jeff and he doesn't have this tattered drug test history. This is just an easy one. Let's just scoot him out of here. Do you feel like Brian was scapegoated at all at any point? Not by you, but by the WWE.
1: You know, Conrad and, uh, <clears throat> folks that are listening to this, usually me and Conrad have video and today we don't have video for me just to, as you were reading that my eyes sort of like popped out. Cause I was our, our videos down folks. But anyway, Conrad, we're talking in, in 2022 when we're going back however many years, marijuana. And that was the issue. Yes. I mean, that just to wrap your head around that. And so look, that we can slice and dice that, but Literally, the first three or four times Brian went to ring with me, I'm like, whoa, I know he's an Armstrong, but this guy, good God. I mean, just his charisma, his talent, everything about Brian, um, I think he's been – I do. I think he's one of the most talented guys, certainly top three or four that I've ever been around. There's really nothing that he can't do. Um, But at this time, he wasn't proven. I mean, he was, you know, he, he had only been six months, right? you know, so, so not enough time to get all that traction. So I don't want to say scapegoated, but we're, I'm, I'm, that's why I was harping on marijuana. It was a different era. They took it very serious and th- it not just WWF, but whole society as a whole, you know, it was a big deal and he popped positive once and maybe twice. And look, the office wasn't dumb. They, they knew they absolutely knew and so, is a liability. And so, I don't want to say that he was a scapegoat. I, I kind of think the chips fell exactly like they were supposed to. Brian was not clean then and didn't have any plans on getting clean. And, Jeff, I don't care if you're jerking the curtain or main event Madison Square Garden. You're not going to do that. So, you may want to come back and contract from uh, Conrad. From a contractual point of view, that was our legal position. Jeff's ready to come back to work. Today and I believe we stated that within the week, maybe two, you know, really, really quick. That because we knew the contractual issue is, oh, he's refusing to work. No, that was one night he refused to do this. He's ready to come back to work. So it was you know, so the 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 paper shuffling and what are we going to do with this contract? That was kind of all BS because the lawyers had that conversation. And it would, well, let me check with our, our legal and see where we stand on that. And a week would go by and another week would go by. Then another week would go by. Well, our position is he refused this. So that's really a breach. Well, if it's a breach, then breach him. You, you should have breached him. You know, Conrad, he was the biggest crock up, but it's what lawyers do. And they shuffle paper and Vince and Bruce and Pat and creative gave them time to wrap their head around and Okay. I'm sure Bruce was saying, hell no. And well, I'm not sure I'm positive. He was saying, hell no, don't bring him back. And Pat was probably somewhere in the middle. I don't know. I never got to really ask about that. Vince was like, well, who do we have over on this side? We got men on a mission. We've got, you know, I don't know. Um, let's talk about
0: the wins and losses here for a minute, because that was mentioned here that you were unhappy with your pinfall. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, okay. Go, go ahead and elaborate on how it was bullshit.
1: Yeah. I mean, that
0: was, I've said it. I mean, let me tell you this. It's not bullshit that you never won. I was trying to illustrate a point here. Okay. In the, in the year, 1995, you beat Ben Jordan on superstars. You beat Adam bomb in a dark match at a challenge taping. You beat Barry Horowitz on raw. You beat Scott Taylor on Challenge. You beat Aldo Montoya on Superstars. You won a dark match on Monday Night Raw taking on Razor and One Two Three Kid with you and the Roadie. And you beat Doink on Raw. You you beat Bob Holly at a house show. That's it, Jeff.
1: Wow. (laughs) <laughs> wow hey uh Kaufman and and Stephen producers I won't when you guys have time as Conrad is giving out that massive win streak if you can put images of the opponents that I just slayed in 1995 um that would be just sweet really Conrad no shout out to the researchers for that impressive wow
0: Jeff, I just love talking about chili sleep. I love chili sleep so much that all of my friends and family at this point have one hell, I even got one for uh Cassio kid for Christmas. He's telling me he's sleeping better than ever. What do you think of your chili sleep so far, dude?
1: It is absolutely awesome. And I just have one request. When I come to stay down at the Conradison, can you get one for the guest bed? Cause I love my chili sleep at all. So I need one on the road.
0: If you don't mind, dude, you know, what's funny. You say that I actually have to, I have one to travel with. So this weekend, uh, we're going to be bunking up at an Airbnb. I'm bringing my chili sleep. I'm not kidding. Science tells us the best way to achieve and maintain consistent deep sleep is by lowering your core body temperature Temper- temperature controlled sleep is going to help restore your testosterone levels, repair your muscles after a hard day's work and improve your cognitive function. So you always start your day feeling sharp and alert. Now, Chili Sleep makes customizable climate controlled sleep solutions that really do help you improve your entire well-being. And I'm living proof of that. Chili Sleep makes the Uller and the Cube Sleep System. I have the Uller. It's a hydropower, temperature controlled mattress topper. It fits over your existing mattress to provide you your ideal sleep temperature. And these luxury mattress pads keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep sleep, whether you sleep hot or cold. Now these sleep systems are designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and give you the confidence and energy to power through your day. Imagine waking up and not feeling tired. Chilly Sleep can make that happen. So head on over right now to chillysleep.com/myworld to learn more and check out a special offer available exclusively for My World with Jeff Jarrett listeners and only for a limited time. That's chillyc l l i sleep.com/myworld to take advantage of our exclusive discount. And wake up feeling refreshed every day. you will be glad you did. Okay. Let me mention legitimately, uh, you know, we're having some fun, but you did manage that summer to pick up some wins over razor through a tour of Canada. But the point is you wrestled a freaking ton of matches and you know, occasionally you're beating guys named Kenny Kendall or, or John (laughs) Sinekowski. And I'm sure these are nice guys. But when, when you pack your bag, let me assure you, one of two things, you're going to win on TV against a guy we've never heard of, or you're looking at the lights. And I understand that in this era, because in this era, the idea is the, the heels get all their heat on TV, but boy, if you want to see them get their come you better come out to the arena and buy a ticket. So I get that. And it's a cool honor to be toting around the assistant manager badge. I mean, the intercontinental title championship, that's a cool thing too, but I could see how, and I understand you're saying it's bullshit. You weren't frustrated, but I could see how you're thinking, well, God, dang, I'm a fake singer who don't ever win either. Like you gotta let Uh, me get something. Right.
1: Uh, uh, you know, we're going to back. We're going to tie this together. I bet Jerry Jarrett wasn't real happy with that either. Yeah. Um, but you know, and, and, and to, uh,
0: that, that's what I was driving at is I think your dad, you told us on a TNA episode when we were first talking about building TNA, he talked about how you need one star and here's the segments he appears in. He never appears before this segment and he never loses type of deal. And I'm not saying that Jerry Lawler never lost, but I am saying when, when he and your dad were drawing the most money, your dad made sure we didn't kill the golden goose. He protected Jerry Lawler. Jerry Lawler was as, as, as Vince McMahon once said of John Cena, he's who feeds us. So when we understand that I could see how your dad would think, well, damn, they're not protecting you at all. Jeff here. They're exposing your gimmick and you're losing all the freaking time. I could see how your your dad would infiltrate that in the message to, uh, to, to the torch a hundred
1: percent as the t-shirt goes, uh, yes, uh, Yes. You know, when I'm sitting here and, and, you know, my father wasn't a part of that conversation that I had with Vince once or twice early in 94, we're going to get you exposed in TV time and you can talk and your character development. And we're going to roll with this. Vince was very excited with vignettes and, you know, Bruce's work and my work and her work. And that's where we rolled through it. So my father wasn't pretty that regardless of whether I shared that with him a couple of times, Um, you know, the, the, uh, 95 rumble that we talked last episode. Uh, I won and then I came back in the main event. So the TV time and although those impressive wins, Ben Jordan, auto Montoya, Conrad, you did a wonderful job just reeling off those names, but yes, uh, not a lot of wins, lots of TV time. Um, that was my job, uh, made a career off that taking bumps and making guys look good. Uh, but yeah, the, the Lawler mentality, the Cena mentality, um, the, the credibility and, um, yeah, it's, and you know, the narrative in early TNA was, oh, Jeff wins all the time. Yeah. It's that old, uh, Terry funk promo. Oh, you're seven time champion means you lost to date.
0: So let's get into it, man, because there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, you know, one of my favorite things to say here on the show, but there's so many twists and turns in all this after you have this last phone call with Vince, how are you contacted again by the company? Is it through Vince? Is it through Pat, through Bruce, someone else? The
1: next time, so the the legal shuffling. I knew, uh, like I said uh, or earlier, I knew by Vince's tone, he wasn't angry or mad or any of that. I just knew, okay, it's going to be a bit. Th- this is not, um, you know, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not headed for all next Monday by any stretch of the imagination. And they're going to think through it and figure it out. I just, and I, you know, probably. I don't want to see. Yeah, pro- probably knowing my brain, especially back then, I started thinking worst case scenario, like, oh my God, are they not going to bring? Me? What you know, what's going on? But I-, I knew it was going to be a bit, but also understood from the business perspective that I walked out. They're reshuffling the deck when the time's right, um, you know, because anything can happen. Injuries can happen. Creative messes can happen. Um, you know, as we roll in there, just different life can happen. Just you got to be ready and and uh, sort of wait your time. But I, I knew that Vince was not in a rush, but not because he was still pissed off. It was, we're going to bring you back when the time's right. What, one of those deals. And so the lawyers were going round and round, and maybe that was legitimate on their part, but they wanted to make sure that they had it legally documented and that Vince was happy with the legal side and we just wanted to understand it. But my attorney was very bullish on it's either they're going to breach you and it's, we're going to a new contract or let's just uh, note it and not sweep it under the rug, but basically say, okay, your uh, expiration date is not changing. It's going to be October, you know, 17, 16, 17, whatever it may be. That's that date sticks. So from a legal matter, it was, It was over and done with that took a bit, a lot longer than I wanted to, but it took a bit, maybe a month or two.
0: So let's talk about nitro because you just casually mentioned a minute ago. Oh, I remember watching that on my dad's couch. I just want to give everybody the timeline that by late summer, people are talking about nitro because it's going to debut on labor day. Do you remember having communication with your dad about Nitro, or or him pitching you anything on Nitro? What what stands out in your mind about the announcement that WCW was going to be creating a, a Monday program head to head? And then once you act, tell us what you remember about watching that first show and seeing Lex Luger pop up apparently on your dad's couch.
1: So man, this is as Vince would say, "Good shit, pal." Uh, I can't do a recent impersonation, but no. To, so to put it in context, you know we're. We legitimately were called the new generation era, but, and Randy had left. But when you look at it, WCW and God bless Eric on how people this day and age, I don't think they realize the monumental task Eric did of rebuilding a brand. And I don't want to say that it was, but it was, had its bumps and bruises and old and tired and. You know, all that kind of stuff. And although they had a great roster, you know, and building a the roster, they, you know, Sting and all that. But, and, and Lex had, you know, gone up north. But, you know, it's one thing to have weekend programming. But when you hear, oh, wow, Ted Turner is going to be in prime time on Monday nights opposite of Raw and I'm sure you covered this on 83 weeks much better than I can even say a couple of words about it, but man, that was really big and very exciting, but I didn't hear a lot about it as a lead up uh, until I don't know, a week or two, or I I don't, I don't remember.
0: Did you or your dad think of it or consider it or view it as an opportunity?
1: No, I was watching it. I knew I was going back. I was under a contract or let me say this. I certainly going to go back for a year and three months or whatever it may be. I was watching it as a fan as, Oh man, a competitor. Um, this is great. Good, good, you know, compelling content.
0: What do you remember about that show watching it with your dad?
1: So I had traveled with Lex, um, you know, the, it just depended upon the routing and the towns and sometimes Sean had was, they were running him ragged too. He would be and Kevin too. So, but, but from time to time, uh, me and Scott and Lex traveled together. We actually stayed three to a room on a couple of different loops or a couple of, it, it ended up because there were no rooms in the town anyway. Um, that's a whole nother deal. Scott Hall and Lex Luger in the same hotel room. Lex is OCD. Very peculiar about his things. And Scott Hall, maybe not so much, <laughs> but, um, I knew that he was having issues, the bodybuilding thing and the contractual status and the Lex express didn't take off. And, just that whole Lex was not happy at all I mean not at all and so I knew there were issues and I knew that the contractual situation was not set in stone or or I don't want to say wiggle room but I certainly didn't know the details by any of that but when he showed up I was like wow that I mean it was it was a shocker I mean to me it was a And that surprise element, it's, you cannot duplicate the emotion. It's just very tough. No matter what kind of great finish or great match, if you do something that is a surprise that people did not see coming, it doesn't get much better than that. And Lex walking out in that context on a Monday night and him having so many roots in WCW i love to hear Conrad. tell me, what does Eric how how does he sort of cache the importance of getting Lex Luger on the debut episode?
0: Uh, it was an afterthought, it wasn't priority. Uh he lowballed him, made him a laughable offer, but he felt like he owed it to Sting. And when he bit on a tiny amount of money, he agreed. And then Lex Luger earned a lot of respect for from Eric and Obviously yeah. he got paid much more handsomely on all the renewals and did way better than he ever imagined. And, but no, he, it was very much an afterthought, but the timing is everything because oh. this is happening around the same time that Vader is going to be finishing up and, and, and leaving WCW. And then before you know it, he's going to show up for the WWF, but just appreciate the context of what we're talking about right now. You're having a conversation with a guy who is just with his best friend walked out on Vince McMahon. His best friend is basically going to be fired, but he now our guy, our our star, our former assistant manager, he's trying to get back in the good graces. Meanwhile, his dad is feeding the dirt sheets, a narrative to try to help his son, but oh, by the way, he's also a consultant for WCW at the exact same time. The biggest wrestling show in history, WCW Monday Nitro is going to be launched. And who shows up on the first event as our former assistant manager itching to get back to work is watching on his dad's couch. A guy who was just on tour with the former assistant manager. This is just so crazy that we have a hokey pokey, WWF talent and a WCW consultant watching the new WCW show. When a guy whose WWF contract just ended the night before shows up. What a small world, what a small world. Gotta love the wrestling business, right? Conrad the observer says this, Jeff Jarrett is still going to sit it out. And the two sides are farther apart at this point than they were one week ago. As press time, there's no progress that's been made between the two sides. And Jarrett is attempting to get out of his contract and entertain offers at that point, because right now nobody can dare talk to him or risk a tampering lawsuit. Usually when a guy leaves the WWF while under contract, the promotion lets him work anywhere, but WCW. But some feel because of the nature of what happened, they may want to keep Jarrett from working with USWA. According to Jerry Jarrett, his son was unhappy about being portrayed as a phony singer in a phony business and, uh, thought that it would make his career go the same place. Millie Vanilli's did. And at this point, WCW has made no inquiries about getting Jeff. So it's at least reported here that you don't hate the idea of doing the WWF thing, but again, you've told us that was not the case. You you wanted to go back to the WWF. You were not interested in pursuing WCW, but somebody's feeding this. And we both think we know who my goodness.
1: Well, sure. But I couldn't as well. Yeah. So it'd be dumb to say, oh, I didn't think of it. Of course. But that wasn't my agenda and I knew contractually I couldn't. Um, I'd taken that break and enjoyed that. So, you know, if we're one or two months, months into this post, uh, in your house to uh situation, I was ready to go back to work. And the only place I could go back to work was on a, on a national stage or a global stage was WWF.
0: So we got a lot to unpack here. Uh, smoky mountain and Jim Cornette what can you tell us about your buddy, Brian going to work there? Or are you thinking, Hey, if this doesn't work out, that could be a spot for me too. And I would do the, what was the backup plan? What was the plan B if things didn't work out the way you hoped, I guess.
1: Well, I had probably a, an overwhelming amount of confidence in myself that if I had to wait to the following October, so be it. Um, you know, my father, uh, like, and we've covered this, he's, car salesmen, used car lots, partners in this, land, all kinds of things. At this time, the,
0: uh, the flavor of the month was to be a home builder. And so well, he had the, the, the,
1: the farm that we grew up on was, uh, now it's obviously annexed into Hendersonville, but it was the last farm land in Hendersonville It's 110 acres and he had decided, um, obviously the territory and we'll get to that story. You know, it was on its last legs for several years. Uh, but he was sitting on a prime piece of property. And, um, up to this point, he had really just bought and sold land and that's how he was in the real estate business. But, um, he decided he was going to develop that property. And so he, um, took a 110 acre farm and cut out at that time, I think it's down to six, but I don't know, 16 acres, uh, for his uh, personal house. But other than that, he was going to put in, uh, lots. So uh, 196 lots or something like that. Anyhow, he said, what do you think about getting your contractor's license? And I said, well, what goes into that? Anyway, we had a short conversation and I said, okay, (laughs) I'm going to go get my home builder's license. So I started, uh, studying for that. Um, and went and got my contractor's license during this time. So I was doing some lake time. I wasn't a summer of no worries, but, uh, I was getting a lot of lake time. I got my contractor's license. Um, my dad was, you know, the consulting deal didn't require, I don't say any, but very little amount of time, but he was always, you know, he still owned the territory. Uh, but, but he was home building. And so I was looking at that, that, okay, Uh, maybe this will put groceries on the table until my contract expires, but I didn't really have that thought. Look, I I love wrestling, but at that time, my my lawyer, who, like I said, was Atlanta based, he didn't completely understand the territory system and, Oh, your father has a wrestling promotion. No, it specifically says you are signed exclusively to Titan sports and you can't go work for them. So it was a, a, a unique time, um, that was it. I mean, am I answering your question? Yeah,
0: absolutely. In, in the torch it's brought up regarding your status and the status of the WWF slash USWA relationship with Jerry Lawler. Are you having any conversations with Lawler during this time? Because Lawler is obviously still a mainstay with the company and Lawler is, as everyone knows, your, your dad's former business partner for a long, long time. And it just feels like, you know, as you're trying to wrap your head around all this. You would have at least had a conversation with Lawler, am I right? Off base? Yes. Yeah,
1: so Lawler and my father were partners,
0: and, right. and more
1: in bed business wise than they had ever been on those last couple of years. Because a- at one time Lawler owned part of Memphis, so I don't want to get too granular, Conrad. So help me out. And you, did you? Did you I, I don't know if you got into this. But anyway, Lawler just owned part of Memphis, and then it got to the point that he lo- owned part of Nashville, Louisville, and Evansville. He, he profit-shared in the entire organization. So they were definitely partners. Um, so I, I can't remember any specific conversations. I might have had a phone call or two. But Randy Hales was booking the territory, or at least assistant booking, running it day-to-day. Uh, so he wanted me, I don't say immediately, but yeah, probably immediately when all that went down. And I knew that I couldn't, or that was going to be an ask, and I was just going to let the chips fall where they may. Uh, in, in time. Cause it wasn't, you know, wasn't a lot of money to be made.
0: This episode is sponsored by blue chew and guys, we've all heard that confidence can take you far in life, but it can also help in the old bedroom. When it comes time to step up to the plate, that's where you get the hot tag. to blue chew blue chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as both Viagra and Cialis, but it's in chewable form. And at a fraction of the cost, you can take them anytime day or night. So you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, the process is simple. You Sign up at BlueChew.com. You consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? Well, it's all done online. There's no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. BlueChew's tablets are made in the USA, prepared to ship directly to your door, all in a discreet package. And, guys, the ladies have said for years there's nothing sexier than confidence, but Blue Chew can help give you that confidence where it counts. So, if you can benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code, MyWorld, at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com. The promo code is MyWorld to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Bluetooth for sponsoring the podcast. Let's go to the, uh, August 21st edition of the observer. There's been a lot of discussion involving Jeff Jarrett as well. The lines of communication are back open and the WWF officials seem to believe it was better than 50, 50 that Jarrett would return. Although no idea as to when the company is soured on bringing roadie back, at least at this point. There are several reports roadie did fail the drug test administered at the in your house pay-per-view in Nashville, where he and Jarrett walked out. And although not confirmed the company's feelings regarding roadies return, having definitely changed over the few uh, over the last few weeks. Reports are that since Jarrett has several months remaining on his contract, that the WBF is enforcing it to the point. They won't even let him work USWA, whereas roadie who they don't want back is allowed to work anywhere he wants. In the past, when performers leave the WWF while under contract, the company usually allows them to work anywhere, but WCW. So Brian's taking a stab at at doing some smoky mountain stuff. Are you talking to him? What was his experience like there?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, look, and I wasn't, I didn't, you know, obviously we've covered, I was met Jim Cornette when I was 12 years old or earlier than that. He took a picture, you know? But I wasn't into the day-to-day to that. Didn't have my head around it at all. And and again, I went home because I was burnt and fried and cracked and all that. And I, but I wasn't, I wasn't interested, either good or bad, in Smoky Mountain. And then you know Randy Hales and the Home Territory, you know they wanted me to do something. But my attorney was like, Jeff, you're not working for anybody, unless it's approved. Period. That is that you definitely cannot do that no matter how big or small they are, no personal appearances, no nothing. So, um, but Brian was off and running and I'm pretty sure he didn't give a damn what his contract said, because he would already breached the hell out of it and Brian had to eat uh, literally Brian had to make a living. I mean, um, later, uh, we helped him get apartment, him and, uh, Dennis Knight, old tech Slazinger, uh, Midian as, uh, he's nationally known. Um, not far from my house, he ended up getting an apartment down in Madison. But, um, and I think he was right during this time frame or a few months after that, but no, Brian needed a paycheck. And so he went to work immediately, um, for smoky mountain and USWA.
0: So, uh, was it ever discussed or, or, or told to you, Hey, you can't go work. Anywhere, including the USWA or did not get that far?
1: Well, I mean, uh, that's why I, my attorney told me you cannot work for anyone. And I'm like, okay, let me try to, explain. Ex- you know, cause again, it's Conrad. And I know you've run into this. Sometimes it's hard to explain folks, the wrestling politics and in industry. Wrestling, fa-
0: wrestling family dynamics are the most exhaustive. <laughs> but we'll talk about that <laughs> another time. Uh, Jean-Pierre Lafitte now known as PCO is doing local media in Montreal to promote his match against diesel on September 15th. And when asked about you and roadie leaving, he says that amongst the wrestlers, it wasn't a big thing. What was your relationship like with PCO back then?
1: Shared a dressing room with him in, uh, GCW in Hammerstein ballroom. Always good. He's always fun natured. He got mad at us, Conrad for bringing up him, uh, dropping a deuce so this is the, this is another podcast we get on. i didn't do it you did Oh shit, you did scott no you yeah. laid it laid into i it.
0: wasn't there a listener asked the question and i, I asked listened. listener questions on the show here
1: oh okay here we and go and i guess we, anyway i, I didn't know you PCO. i hate to
0: hear you have shit heat with pco <laughs> shit heat is bad heat
1: <laughs> uh pco good man uh hard worker man I mean, he's always been the way, but, uh, yep. He had Montreal was a unique, uh, market because the Rougeos and PCO, and they were always self promoters. So it was a little bit, we covered that last week. It's a little bit an anomaly because they got out and worked the town locally. It wasn't ever just another show in Montreal.
0: So let's talk a little bit about, uh, as this thing continues to deteriorate, the torch would say on the 26th, sources indicate the tone of the negotiations with Jarrett have deteriorated in the past two weeks to the point that the odds he will return are now less than 5%. Rody's situation remains status quo. There's no word on any future talks taking place between him and the WWF. So something's changing here, and it feels like. I don't know. They've got cold feet. They've reconsidered. What have you at any point? Does it cross your mind? Are you this, um, delusional optimist you've told us, do you ever think, damn it. I may have just accidentally thrown away my whole freaking career here.
1: Uh, delusional optimist. But the conversation that I had with Vince, I believed him. I trusted him and knew that. I'm coming back on Vince's terms, not Jeff's terms, not Jeff's suggestions, not any of the above. Um, and I just knew that it wasn't going to happen overnight, but also had confidence in my ability that when the time's right, um, a good hand, as they say, will always find a spot. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, that was the mindset. I, I, You know, sure, I probably had like, Oh, damn. You know, now that me and Rhodey and they're, that ain't going to happen. And Rhodey, Ryan's working here and there. And so enough time had gone by that the story was dead and we're going to re-, re be reboot, rebooting the double J character. And Rhodey's not going to be with it. And so you always go, you gotta start into the, your thoughts where, okay, how are you going to pick up? So we're now we're going to just sort of sweep that under the deal. And, oh, we're going to stay with that double J character, all the what ifs. Um, but yeah some delusional optimism, but also, uh, quite a bit of confidence that when it's going to happen, it's going to happen.
0: So let's talk about some big changes here happening at the end of the month. Uh, we're talking about August, 1995, British bulldogs going to be turning heel Lex Luger is disappearing from the company. Uh, it does make me wonder, you think bulldog is turning heel because one of the guys they've been building for the last year, didn't like his creative and took ball, took his ball and went home. You think you accidentally influenced his career a little bit here?
1: Yep, I do. I mean, Bruce could answer that much better. But when you look at the balance sheet, um, it's just the nature of the beast. I've done it, I don't know how many times. Um, When you get in a creative session and you look at, oh, my God, we got way too many heels. Yeah. What are we doing? Oh, we got way too many. It just happens. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I, I definitely think that.
0: So Lex Luger is not the only name going to WCW. We're also going to hear the Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, and Dean Malenko, who we've most recently seen in the States here for ECW. They're now going to WCW. And there's a lot of hype around that first Nitro. You know, this is something that's new and fresh and it's live and raw is often taped. And in the newsletters, we're hearing names like Al Snow and Sabu, who are these, you know, independent wrestling legends at the time. And then all of a sudden Lex Luger walks out. That's, um, that's enough to make Vince McMahon go, Hmm, we got my attention here. And all of a sudden, what do you know? Bill Watts pops up. He's in the WWF and, uh, that's going to mean that there's going to be some shifting in the creative process. Uh, when did you first find out about bill being a part and, and what were you thinking about bill as a part of the, uh, a cog in the WWF wheel at the time, if you will,
1: before I answer Conrad, you know, me very well now. What do you think went through my mind when I heard Bill Watts was basically the number two in WWF at the time? What do you think went through my head?
0: I think he thought it was a good thing.
1: Okay. I thought he was either going to be, and this is look, kissing my sister here, either going to be a great thing, but I also went the other way and went, this may be disaster. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. one, because I didn't really know him and my father's relationship. And my father being a consultant, it's like, for Bill coming in and hearing his reputation, I I don't want to see, you know, I can almost hear him say, I don't want to see a Jeff Jarrett around here. Period. His father's working for the, uh, you know, the the opposition. Uh, Bill had a son as well. So, you know, I had no idea, like, this is either going to be good or bad. And every day that went on, I got the feeling, Uh, Vince has got a lot more on his plate than to worry about double J coming back and when my name may or may not be brought up, I kind of have a feeling that Bruce and you know, I didn't get a good feeling that it was a positive step for Jeff Jarrett's career.
0: On September 16th in the torch, it's reported a WWF source indicates Jeff Jarrett and the WWF brass are scheduled to actually talk again this week. The last few weeks have seen just the exchange of formal legal letters. The plans to actually have conversation again is a positive sign towards reconciling, but there is a long way to go, including egos that have to be put aside. Do you remember as we're starting to get more towards the nitty gritty here of what else needed to be firmed up, what the changes were Talk me through that.
1: It was, you know, um, squeaky wheel mentality on my attorney. Cause I'm like, Hey man, I've paid you and they've turned it over to you. Are you just letting weeks go by? And of course he wasn't, but you also, you know, he's calling on an another, uh, another attorney. Oh man. I, that his name's i am drawing a blank. He's long gone from there. But anyhow, um, you know, it, it, it on the attorneys, their attorney side, they're not going to bring it up until, they're ready to address it. So it was hurry up and wait. Um, again, to your previous comment, oh boy, what is really going to happen? So it was just the whole waiting game. And I think about during this time is when I had him ask for permission because whether it's Randy Hales first or my father or Lawler or a combination of the three, whatever, uh, started trying to get permission to work for the home territory. I think right during this era.
0: So Brian James is going to be renamed in the USWA as Jesse James Armstrong. And, uh, it's reported in the torch quote, Vince McMahon, flew Jeff Jarrett to the WWF's Connecticut headquarters on Thursday, September 21st. Word in the WWF as they put their personal differences aside, but no deal was reached. They're expected to talk again later this week. Odds are increasing that Jarrett will return, but they are far, far from reaching an agreement. Certainly Jarrett would want an unconditional assurance that his grievances would be addressed. So talk to me about this face to face meeting. Did this happen?
1: It's a day trip. If I best recall, and it's, I want to look you in the eye and basically say, are we going to behave and communicate much better? Yes, sir. And you know, it was, it was very friendly, but quick. That's the best I recall.
0: So you, you got on a plane from Nashville and flew into LaGuardia. I assume Vince flew you first class and then he's going to have somebody probably pick you up and bring you to his office. You sit and wait a few minutes and then y'all meet and it's an in and out meeting. Yes. Did you feel like at that point it was just him showing you who was boss, so to speak.
1: Today, as I said here, yes. And hearing the recall and all that for sure. Um, at the time, I probably looked at it as, all right, he wants to look me in the eye and really find out where Matt's head's at. Best he can, he's doing what he's, he's doing. Killed,
0: due diligence, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, and and also, and I even at this stage of my career, I knew that he was having to walk back in a room and say, "Hey, team," or specifically, "Hey, Bruce and Pat." I looked him in the eye. So quit, quit. And, look, Bruce, I'm sure, has had this kind of situation umpteen times. Okay, Vince, if this is what you want to go do, this is I've said my piece, but if you want him back on the team, he's back on the team. Now let's go to work. And Vince felt he owed it to the company. You know, mm-hmm. what's best for Titan Sports or best for WWF is what we're doing. And so Vince made that decision, but he made sure he, the best he could, died his I's and crossed his T's, and that's really what the meeting was about.
0: The observer wrote this about you being flown in. There are a lot of people within Titan against bringing him back because of the nature of how, and when he walked out without doing a planned angle and that bringing him back would send the wrong message about what is tolerated. And others who defend Jarrett say that during his entire tenure in Titan, except for the one incident, he was a model employee. Others think that Jarrett was correct and that they would have killed his character had he done what was planned at the pay-per-view Jeff, is there a lesson you know, you're, you're a unique cat in that you can speak from the grandson of a promoter perspective, the son of a promoter perspective, one of the boys, uh, a a young whippersnapper, and then a seasoned grizzled vet who's worked for every company and a guy who has started his own promotion. And then ultimately one that was no longer exactly a hundred percent in his control, but he was still trying to work in management. Not a lot of guys can answer a question like this with all those different perspectives. You've got to be one of the only ones in the world. Is there a lesson for young talent out there who maybe you're frustrated with their creative, they're not so sure about it. They're not sold on it. You stood up for what you believe in, but then we hear other guys here say, oh, well that that's a bad precedent to everyone else. If we let him come back, but now you look back, not as the not even 30 year old man making these decisions, but with the benefit of hindsight, what advice would you give to a young wrestler who finds himself in a similar situation to where you were?
1: I have said it a thousand times. I'll say it again, over communicate, uh, you know, to, to get out of this playbook and, and don't do it on show day communicate well in it, if, if possible, as much in advance as possible, have the conversation, have the back and forth. And as a talent, here's something that I got better with over time. But, but there's, it's almost inexcusable, especially this day and age with, with all the different, you know, the business being so much more mature in so many different ways and I say that the non K and the transparency and all that, I, if, if I'm give, if you're asking for advice, Conrad, come with ideas. Don't come with, I don't want to do this. That, that, that is the kiss of death and just much thing worth say, Hey, can we do it this way? Oh, you don't like this. I mean, if you can rapid fire all four or five different ideas, that is, um, pardon the pun, the game changer. Uh, but, but, um, C- come with ideas and over communicate. Concise ideas. Let me say that. I was just on a call the other day, and a guy was like, "God, this guy writes me these book long emails." Well,
0: hang on now. You, you also had a, a situation where you said a moment ago, "Don't do it on show day." But what if you didn't know? Let's say you ah. show up to Nashville, and you you have an idea. You can read the tea leaves that you're probably going to lose the strap to Sean, but you don't yep. know. You're also going to expose the singing thing and break up the deal. And you find out that creative day of, but it is now show day. So you hate to just barge into Vince McMahon's office when he's probably trying to cut up $8 billion deal with Fox or something and say, Hey man, I, I kind of don't want to be a fake singer. Uh, that feels like, well, that's not priority. He's got bigger fish to fry, but at the same time, we're kind of out of time. Now they just told me, what should I do then?
1: Um, so are we playing a little hypothetical if I were to have found out the day of in Nashville,
0: I'm just saying as a,
1: uh, yeah, l- l- a- l- l-
0: let's say killer cross finds out. Hey man, we're dressing you up like Farouk. Appreciate all that you did down there with the next but we're not going to put your lady on TV and we're going to change your music and change your entrance. And if you can put this skirt and this helmet on, we're going to have you uh, go out there and be Jeff Hardy's going to beat you on your debut. Okay. So Randy
1: Savage pulled me aside, right? Um, well, was this in Tennessee. Oh, he was in, it was in WWF. Cause I, I think I, I had that kind of relationship with Randy. Um, yeah, because it was like, welcome to the big time. Anyway, Randy always told me never jump without a net in this business. Never. Uh, no matter what your move is, don't do it unless you have a plan and something to catch you and, and everything that went with it. Um. So if you don't have a net that you feel comfortable, that will catch you run the play.
0: So your advice is
1: run the play.
0: Yeah.
1: It's day of run the play. And here's and I've, and here's look, I, I'm just back in those, I'm still an idiot. Some days back in those days, I was just born and raised on Memphis that you literally can do anything. You can change and pivot and do this and do that, that, that just look, run the play and then follow, try to figure out what you're going to do the following week. Just, you know, the combination of Randy's, you know, don't jump without a net, but, but run the play because you can always audible as the, the days and weeks. And you, you can, you can, it's, it's, it's subjective. It's, it's, it's a creative free flowing uh, type deal. And, but you know, that's what I thought. And I did very, very best to communicate. Vince knew I didn't like that angle from the first time I heard it.
0: Well, that's I guess what I was asking is if you had yeah. to do it over again, would you do it the same way? Or would you have just done the angle?
1: Yes. I mean, y- yes, I would have done the same way. Cause I felt like I protected Jeff and also protected Sean. And I gave myself an opportunity to, um, retool it. Now the, you know, the plan B would have been to do it, but I mean, once the expose was going on down, then you, okay, Hey Vince, let me sing a song and Brian's a singer. And then now you got two singers. I kind of sort of thought through all those audibles back then. So that's why I'm saying I probably would have run the same play.
0: I'm also wondering, you know, what's different about here versus the China thing. Is that simply a function of that was a financial decision more so than anything else?
1: What do you mean the China thing?
0: Well, I mean, you know, you had some pretty shitty creative on two separate occasions, you know, the good housekeeping match. And then this whole being exposed singer angle and both cases, you wind up leaving the arena. One of the times you don't go through with the original idea. The other time you do go through with the original idea, but Big old stack of cash, too. Was that one primary? Was that creative? I understand it was a financial issue, but still, in the old K kayfabe days, you know, and I get that the business was woefully different by 99. Not arguing that. But once upon a time, when Ric Flair lost to Mr. Perfect on Monday Night Raw and he showed up in WCW, Ole Anderson said, What good are you to me now that you just lost on national TV last night? And here you are getting whipped with the ironing board covered in flyer, f- a flyer, as you said, and, 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 and dropping the intercontinental title to a woman. And I'm not saying that to be an asshole. I'm just saying that had to be something where you could at least cross, it crosses your mind. Well, shit. I don't know that I want to do that.
1: Okay. All right. Now you got granular. So I'll re- re- return volley here when. Because we were, you know, in the dressing room, in the back as the Attitude Era was evolving and X-Pac peeing in my boots and Mankind playing three different characters and The Oddities and Val Venus, and uh, Porn. You know, all the different characters. I don't want to say kayfabe was thrown out the window, but the, 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 the shock jock, the just, I mean, the gloves were off across the board. So I, and, I'm, I'm, and I've said this on here. When Russo originally pitched the China deal, I just went, hell yes. Because if China would have been 5'2 and 130 pounds, nope. I just, I, I, the, the story's not the same. It, it's just not. But DX and Road Dog and his whole vibe and X Pac. And I'll call it the real simplicity of China's pop every night when she would roll in the ring and nutshot or whatever she would. I mean, she was over. I told Brian this, oh god, uh, recently. You know, we were laughing, cutting up, and I'm like, dude, you were the most over guy. You you were the X and DX because of your raw promo skills, but China think of DX without her. And I really, I don't, I, I mean that from a business perspective. So Conrad, I thought the Millie Vanilli creative sucked on every level. I just did. I thought it was way too soon. I thought there was no money in it. I thought the entire double J vignette platform that Bruce had produced, I thought a year and a half was to build me as this singer. And if I could sing, that's even more heat. God, he's a cocky, arrogant bastard that can sing. You know, that, that's what I thought that whole thing was built on and, and really thought there was a longevity. And, you know, could I sing like Brian? No, but I'm from Nashville. I, I know that, that that being able, just like wrestling, being able to uh, actually have a great range in, in, with your voice is only one piece of the puzzle uh, of making a country music star. But so I didn't like Milli Vanilli creative. The the uh, ironing board and the flyer, but the the good housekeeping and the persona and Moolah and May and um, the, the, my sidekicks and everything. Conrad, I really liked the creative from the original pitch, and then as I got rolling in it, I realized this is this is really good stuff that is memorable and it's drawing money. And I'm the heel that can pull this off and I can get done with the China angle, China angle. And then man, my value, my stock's going to go up and who knows where it's going to go from there. I didn't look at it as you're wrestling the woman, your career's dead. I looked at it as the opposite. I really did. Um, but simultaneously Jr is doing the, Oh no, Oh no, Jeff, we're not negotiating. Oh yeah. Hey bud, you should be thankful for that uh, deal. Hey Jim, two years ago I signed for much more than this and you lowered my pay when my wife got sick. So can I at least get back to sea level? Nah, not really. Uh, uh, Hey Jim, I know you screwed me on my payoffs with Dustin and this and that, but you know, just that whole deal that what am I doing? I'm red hot as a heel, but contractually. So I really look at it Conrad as two different situations.
0: Well, no doubt they are, but you know, I I know that there are young wrestlers who are being handed who were listening to this, who were being handy creative where they're like, fuck, this sucks, dude. They're going to call <laughs> me, they're going to call me bear cat next week or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so just as quickly as bill Watts was in, he's out. <laughs> so, uh, he was like grandpa Simpson in that meme here for the WWF where he just walks in, drops his coat, puts it back on and right out the door again. And it's reported at, at this point that, well, there's some more news in the torch. Right after Bill Watts is let go by the WWF, your father's consulting deal with WCW comes to an end quote, sources say WCW and Jerry Jarrett severed their agreement, either late last week or early this week, Jarrett has been getting paid to be a consultant with that move. Bischoff cuts back on payroll, which helps his effort to make WCW profitable on paper this year. What is Turner syndication department concerned with is also part of the severance of the deal, which is a loss of the USWA 70 plus station syndication network, which had been grouped in with WCW's worldwide and pro programs to advertisers. Bischoff always included those USWA syndication viewers as part of the number he quoted to back up his claim that WCW was quote unquote, number one. in viewers, the loss of those 70 stations means that Turner won't meet the viewership that was promised to syndicated sponsors and Turner will be forced to provide make good spots. Of those sponsors down the line. WWF sources say though that Jarrett is not being pursued for the booking position. So a lot of people are probably scratching their head, wait a minute, if Bill Watts is out and and Jarrett's dad's deal is done with WCW and Jarrett's business partner is all over WWF TV, well, two plus two, were you thinking maybe your dad was going to go work for Vince here? Nope. It didn't end
1: On the highest of notes, I know that, I mean, Kevin Dunn, Bruce, um, I forget the lady's name that worked in the office. You know, my dad, he didn't have a good experience on the very end. It was, he didn't enjoy it. He didn't like living in Connecticut. Matter of fact, he hated living in Connecticut. You know, I've got two younger siblings that were, you know, still college age um, or, you know, maybe even high school, college age. Um, that my dad, I just, I, I was, I didn't even think that was a remote possibility.
0: Well, here we go. Shawn Michaels gets the shit kicked out of him in Syracuse during a bar fight, and this becomes telephone, telephone telegram, tele wrestler. What did you first hear about this? I'm trying to think who
1: called me, and I was trying to think on research. I have no idea. Um, and I never talked to Sean during this period. I just remember like, man, is he okay? And I knew it wasn't a real good scene. Uh, but, um, Syracuse, uh, little Easter egg that, that little, uh, airport, uh, there's a super eight. There's a, I, I know that little nightclub, uh, or not nightclub, little bar. Uh, I was pretty, uh, we used to go in there coming back from trips and we'd fly out of Syracuse. So yeah, uh, that's, I heard it and I heard it was a ugly deal. Um, Matter of fact, pretty rough deal. Uh, that's about all I heard though.
0: So the WWF is going to send the current intercontinental champion, razor Ramon to headline the USWA mid-south Coliseum show on October 30th. And he's going to take on Brian Christopher in the main event. Are you at the show? Do you pop in to say, Hey, to razor or what do you remember? I do remember kind of a
1: wonky deal that, you know, I'm shuffling paper with, with, with Vince and Titan and the still the working agreement Lawler was pretty much the main conduit for it. And yeah, you can't pop in at my house to a show in Memphis. It's three and a half hours away. Uh, but I didn't go, uh, no need to. And you know, it was another date on Scott's book that he wasn't happy about going because they were still working 10 on three off four on three off. So an extra added day was not something that was welcomed by not just Scott, any talent, but no, I didn't go to the show.
0: Check this out from November 4th in The Torch. Former WWF main eventer Jeff Jarrett has signed a record deal and be, will be recording a record country song album in Nashville within a few weeks. Because everyone knows the roadie was a good singer, apparently no one knew that Jarrett could also carry a tune. The ongoing talks between Jarrett and the WWF are, recon- are as reconciliary as they've been in six weeks. And a couple of sources indicate the odds are very strong. He'll be returning soon. If he doesn't agree to return soon, he'll probably wind up just sitting out until his contract expires and then look for other opportunities because Jarrett quit without giving 90 day notice. The WWF has the advantage in being able to contractually prevent him from working elsewhere until the contract expires. Meanwhile, Jarrett doesn't get paid anything. So that's sort of the, 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 the gist of it, but this whole Jeff signs a record deal. What is that?
1: <laughs> Conrad, we've never discussed this. Have we ever? Yeah. That, and that's, I don't think that I've, so it's all actually. So here again, this is 95. So the, the, the world of the WWF is not well as known. You know, it's not publicly traded or any of that. Um, But I've got lots of friends in the music industry, and this is a a time when the mid-'90s, the Haddocks a guy named Garth Brooks, but there were a lot. Country music wasn't just hot. It was was red hot um, in in a lot of ways. And so I had a buddy of mine who was a manager, and he's like, hey, man, you want to uh, come down here? Do you remember Chad Brock from WCW? Yes, I do. Okay. So there was a connection of a connection, but anyway, the management team called me we, we were, and he goes, man, let's meet and talk about this. So I'm trying to explain to them, here's the deal. And, and they would not get off center of, well, what do you think the WWF will do? And I'm like, at this point, act like they don't exist. Okay. But we were trying to anyway, over a period of about not long, but about three weeks. And they're like, okay let's sign you to a deal and we'll get you in the studio. And I actually sang in the guy's little uh, office studio and okay, we're going to do this. I You can sing enough. You know, I'm not road dog, but I can carry it too. But, but, um, Conrad, they were, we were going to, they were going to let's figure out how we can maybe put out a single or something. But the, the Avenue was of the double J persona and coming off And how do we turn this storyline into a real deal? And certainly WWE will get on board. And I'm like, guys, it's that, that, that doesn't work in Vince's world. He owns it all. And so there was a, it was, it was really hard meeting of the minds, but I kept pushing and trying to figure out how we could make that happen. And the manager, and it was Atlantic records and they had had conversations and we had met with curb. We had met with several of the folks around town um, but it was uh, probably a contingency that they were going to factor in how are we getting WWF involved. And I knew from the beginning that wasn't going to happen, but yes, Conrad, we had a, an agreement, but it, it wasn't like they're going to put a bunch of money in my pocket, but no, we had an agreement, but it was more or less contingent on how's the WWF going to play into this. Um, and of course I knew probably not going to happen, but yes, those, Conversations took place and we got them to a point that they were willing to move forward if somehow, some way. But at that time I couldn't even use double J.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: Vince owned double J. So um it was it was messy, but there was not just interest, they were ready to do the deal, but again, I'll call it a contingency deal.
0: So there's a story in the torch about how this is record low morale in the WWF locker room. And uh the boys are just really unhappy, but then he writes this quote on the bright side. And yes, there is one Jeff Jarrett came to terms with the WWF late last week. And the WWF is currently formulating plans for how to reintroduce him into the mix, which could take place within a few weeks or not until later this year. His return and freshness drastically helps the heel side of the WWF roster. So how does the deal come to be? And and are you nervous about coming back into the locker room? Did you think any of the guy, are you still at that point, just one of the boys or are some of the guys going to feel like, Oh man, I can't be seen, uh, you know, hanging out with that guy. I'm going to get heat. Everybody knows jarrett has got heat around these parts or what have you.
1: I thought it was just a, I, I kind of like, damn, it's taken a while, but no, I didn't. Is your question. How do you, how did I feel about coming back to the dressing room or had the whole deal because it was okay. Uh, Hey, uh, attorneys let Jeff know that, um, Vince or Bruce or Pat or probably Vince was the first call you're starting back at this TV. I mean, it was, I say that simple. And I had no concerns about walking into address the end of the dressing room. It is what it is. You know um, if you walk into a dressing room and think everybody's going to like you, that's delusional. Um, but everybody's business and you do what you need to do to take care of business and get back to work. That was my mindset.
0: So are you promised programs, titles, more say in your future, or is it simply we're going to over communicate? And then you took a long extended unpaid vacation to say, we're going to communicate.
1: That's it. It was, let's get back to work. Uh, let's figure out where we're going and, uh, we're going to crank back up the double J character and, you know, everything that went with it and, and let's, let's go to the races. Just no roadie.
0: Well, at this point, uh, would you consider Bruce an ally or is Bruce just sort of taking a wait and see approach?
1: And, and, and I'm sure you've covered this, not just on something to wrestle, but Arn And, and I, I don't know. I, the reason I say Arn is it's not so much this way today, but maybe it is, but the, you know, they're there. I was born and raised there's office and then the boys, it's just, that was the dividing line. And I always viewed Bruce as the office. Yeah. Well he and is. And not negatively or not positively out of that. He oh, was he the is. office. Of course. But excuse me,
0: go yeah. ahead. He's always been office. He yes, loves, that's he what i that. yeah.
1: But but Bruce in my interactions with him, he did what Vince's what you just you got a sense that Vince, I mean Bruce would you, you know maybe weave in and out of the lanes, but he's not crossing the white line or the, the the dotted line. You know, he stayed in the lane. So I understood that. Um, again, I hit it off with Bruce when he produced me. So I didn't know at the time that he was so against me coming back there for that stretch, but I got it later, but I didn't know that, but it was come back to work and Pat always had a smile on his face and, I can't do a French accent, but double J let's go to work. Good to see you and all, you know, the fun stuff, good old Pat.
0: So all of a sudden something kind of fun's happening. It's the Jarrett's versus the Armstrong's or the Jarrett's and the Armstrong's working together here for the smoky mountain USWA angle. Well, we're going to save most of the details for that for another episode, but is the idea in allowing you to, to work on this really just help work off some ring rust and just get your rhythm and timing back.
1: No. And, and look, I agree, Conrad. And I'm glad you said this because this whole storyline of me and Rody and me coming back to Memphis and Lawler had been out of there and my dad's promo and, and just, it was a, from a professional point of view, Conrad, it's, it's going to be fun to revisit that because I had a lot of good times. We sort of had a little pop in the house, but that this run, uh, if you call it that, if I remember correctly, it's when the rock was there Um. It was a, for sure, in my mind, the territories are dead. It's over, game, set, match. But getting to have the storyline of my grandfather involved in the storyline and Bob Armstrong and the Armstrongs and the Jarretts and my dad put his house up, and I'm giving teasers for the episode. But it was, it was a cool time, a fun time. But man, it was my last hurrah in the territory.
0: So, from what I understand, uh, the the first time. So I guess you walk out in July, and now you're back in here. Does this sound right, Hershey Park, December seventeenth?
1: Yeah, you spoke about coming back. Yeah, because I I I did, and to answer your question, it wasn't to work off ring rust. Randy Hales And I don't know if Lawler and my dad, I don't know where all that fit it, but Randy wanted to do that story. So it was, I'm going to go help the home territory while I can, because I remember specifically saying, Randy, I'm starting back in December or whenever that timeline was, but yeah, I, I'd had a date and we were starting back at a, uh, at an, in your house.
0: So you're back and in your house, number five, Hershey park, December 17th, 1995, I think everybody remembers it's Bret Hart and Davy Boy Smith and a freaking bloodbath. Uh, but there was talk in The Torch and The Observer that the person being promoted as the new million dollar champion, because they're going to bring that back and make that a thing, is either going to be yourself or Stone Cold Steve Austin. And it's kind of fun that Steve Austin <laughs> is considered for the same honor as you, the million dollar champion, considering you once said. You can stare at that check all you want. and ain't going to get no bigger. Uh, oh, the, mercy. the, the irony here of you guys both being considered for that. That's pretty fun.
1: You know, and I, I, it was never presented to me. I heard, I, you know, I heard have you confirmed that with Bruce. That's a good question. Cause I'd heard yes. Consideration, but it was never presented to me ever.
0: Can you concur?
1: Can you confirm that, that I was up for consideration of the million dollar champ?
0: Uh, I I don't, I've never heard that, but I want to repeat it forever now. Of course you do. Uh, the observer would say quote at this point to show a communications breakdown somewhere, ring announcer, Manny Garcia announced coming from Knoxville, Tennessee nature boy, buddy Riddell. So one would assume Landale was getting a new name and about to debut, but then Jerry Lawler cut him off and went to the ring for a surprise, which would surely be Landale, but instead it was Jeff Jarrett. And then Lawler gave Jarrett a plaque commemorating a gold CD and Jarrett announced he'd be in the rumble. Jarrett got no pop at all. When the segment was over, there were light cheers and light boos, but no real reaction, many have forgotten by now, just because of how great the video and the Shawn Michaels match was at the very end of his first tenure. But Jeff Jarrett is actually the least over wrestler in the company of all the guys who ever got a push Jarrett did a good job, but the segment didn't get much of a reaction. So what I'm hearing here, and now listen, I know that a lot of our listeners just hear that and take it at face value, but now let's remember Dave Meltzer writes the observer. He gets paid on subscriptions. Wade Keller writes the torch. He gets paid on subscriptions. And anytime there's any sort of Jarrett business, boy, they know what time of day the call happened, who called, who, how long it was. And every detail is broken down in great form on the torch. That is not the case in the observer. So I just can't help, but wonder, as I read that Jeff sucks, Jeff was never over Jeff it's a shit on Jeff thing. It makes me wonder, you think old Dave wishes he had some of those scoops from your old man.
1: Very, very, I, you know, I've thought that through the years off and on,
0: you never told me that, but that's the way that reads to me.
1: Oh, but D- Dave, look, and here's the, the other thing that. It's when you get a narrative created in your mind, I played second fiddle to Lawler always in the territory Meltzer and rightly so was a big Lawler fan. So, you know, um, whoever Dave's sources were, and I thought that back then as through the years whatever, maybe I, I wasn't in their favorite list. I also know like on, on, on he's spot on for, the, the, the Buddy Landell BS, Manny, screw up, and, and I can remember this whole night, the, the takeaway from it was just grin and bear it, just get through it. It was snake bit from the very beginning. There was something screwed up on timing uh, and the, the the match order and just what could go wrong as it related to, to me and my segment, and we'll get into this. Conrad, it was a disaster. It was just snake bit, you know, and I'm a nowadays, uh, and I've always been a little bit, but it's certainly grown over the years. The, the good energy, bad energy, and, um, whether it was me or others, man, Conrad, it, this segment, I did my de- best to, to, to the Landale screw up the Manny. It was people in Lawler's here. It was a mess from the very beginning. So the people were confused, like, that ain't Buddy Landale or Rydell or whatever. That's Double J. And where the hell's he been? You know, just the whole disconnect. So, but back to your Meltzer deal, I've thought that many, 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 many times. And if it wasn't a him wanting a Jerry Jarrett scoop, it was he's getting his information because there was no social media back then. He's getting secondhand information that, uh, remember i used to say i used to say how can dave get finishes so wrong in late 80s early 90s when when we're doing the same finish every night and i'm hearing the great i mean not good but sort of great reactions but dave has it just completely i mean like not kind of wrong like completely wrong he's either writing good fiction or getting bad feedback or both
0: So uh, this gift that you get, it's a gold CD plaque to commemorate selling half a million copies. Hypothetically, did you get that? Or is that in the warehouse somewhere? No, I smashed it. No, but I'm saying you, did you keep any of the pieces or cause these days, Lord, if you had somebody with a guitar, you're scooping up all the pieces doing your best Matt Cardona. I'm not
1: scooping up all the pieces. My opponents are, I'll just say that.
0: Uh, so Jarrett then said he was finishing up his second CD greater than great. And throwing his name into the 1996 Royal rumble and says, he's going to not only win that, but go on to win the world title at WrestleMania 12. And then Lawler invites you to come join him and Vince on commentary. And, uh, during Douglas's entrance, you're going to, uh, uh, or he's going to take the mic and say, he plans to give Johnson a, uh, a wrestling lesson of a lifetime, but he's out with a back injury. So then Douglas introduces buddy, I guess, Landale, maybe here for a minute, and he was Rydale. He comes out to Flair's old theme music. And then afterwards, Johnson uh, spanks Douglas with his own paddle. And then before you know it, uh, Lawler, alongside Jarrett, does a ringside interview with Johnson on the win. And Lawler and Jarrett are uh, going to start insulting him a little bit. And then what do you know? You crush Ahmed with your plaque. Uh, and then Lawler holds up a steel chair. You run Ahmed's head into it. And just continue the beat down. This is Shane Douglas's last appearance. And this is your first appearance after a five-month absence. And this is Buddy Landell's big opportunity, man. Buddy Landell has been a guy who has been, you know, the great what if for a long time at this point in wrestling. And now he's come in and, and doing the big job. And um Doing everything they're asking I mean it's a big opportunity And then the very next taping He slips on ice, hurts himself seriously And is never in the WWF again Everything about this segment Was snake bit. Everything Buddy Landale, Shane Douglas Ahmed Johnson If they're not hurt Or hurting someone else They're about to be And then here's you coming back Miss Q's on time It's just Woof Did anything go right?
1: No. And, you know, at the time, I didn't even realize of the back to that balance sheet. I didn't even realize Shane. I knew things didn't go well with however it may be, you know, for whatever reason. Didn't go real well for Shane, but I had no idea that he was headed out the door. And so that could have been an impetus to bring old Double J back, but... This, as you just so eloquently, as you always do, articulated it. It was a freaking mess. It was a disaster. It stunk to high heaven. It was just, you know, and the thing that I liked about the baseline of the whole creative was that in a lot of ways, we sort of swept under the bridge. The double J roadie storyline is, oh. He sold this many copies. He's been out on tour, and he's coming up his second greater than great CD. And we, we we did our very best for the first 30 seconds to kind of reboot the character, which I loved. And I remember talking so much about that going into this, and then we're going to get you in this program with uh, Ahmed Johnson, I'm like, okay, I can work around
0: it. Well, you know, no, and let's know. talk about Ahmed for a minute, because listen, history has not been kind to his run, and people always say, oh, Ahmed couldn't promo, and he was dangerous, and he sucked, buddy. They were pushing his ass hard. I mean, he, he went on a winning streak. He almost never lost. Uh, he's looking dominant. He's doing a lot of big power moves. It's a fresh new look for them. They had not had a, a an African American top star. In years at that point, and And he looks like, man, this could be our world champion. So to come back and be programmed with him uh, after what you walked out on, you got to be thinking, man, this is exactly what I want. But even in the execution of this, you know, forget all the injuries, forget Dean Douglas, uh, forget the mishap with the announcer. I, I, and the torch says, Ahmed Johnson was supposed to be left lying at, in your house rather than fighting back against Jira and brawling to the locker room but there was a lack of communication with the road agents. So it didn't go nearly as it was supposed to, but it just feels like literally we've checked every box. Like if it can go wrong in this segment, it did. Is that the way you remember it?
1: Conrad. Yes. And I've been around segments like this. I've produced them. I've been in them. I've witnessed them. I've watched Piper walk out and do a 28 minute. You know, we've seen all kinds of train wrecks, um, in in every shape, form, or fashion. But if you go back, we're at the end of '95, beginning of '96, and you take WCW roster and the WWF roster, and you line everybody up, and you look at who has the most potential. Yeah, just just look at it. Ahmed had the look. Yes, He, he. I mean, Ultimate Warrior wasn't this well-polished, you know, but he listened to Pat. He listened to Vince. He, you know, he did what he, you know, that Hogan warrior match. I mean, and, and unless Jim doesn't listen to everything Pat lays out, that match doesn't come off. But Ahmed had the push, had, had the look, had the persona, had the athletic ability. You damn right. I'm like, okay. I'd seen his work a little bit in Memphis, and I'd seen it on TV. I knew his work was limited. I had no idea about his personality and, and mindset. But, man, yes, it was an uh, opportunity. But you talk about starting off on the wrong foot. And, you know, Conrad, you just said that uh, the, the, the sheet said he's supposed to be left laying. That's exactly right. And I have no idea. And I've never gone back and asked Ahmed, and maybe nobody was in his ear.
0: But I, but thought he didn't, that, it's like he, he was not comfortable with quote unquote, putting you over. And I don't even you know, mean to,
1: and I'm wondering if somebody got in his ear or if he did that on his own, because that at the end of the day was his downfall. Not just in in, in he, he, he would not,
0: he lose wouldn't graciously. He wouldn't be a good loser. Oh my God. Well, so he here's, here's over. what I, I told you what the torch said. Here's what Meltzer said. Jarrett hit him several times with brutal chair shots. And the two brawl to the back Johnson didn't seem to know what to do because the brawl looked pretty bad. Yeah. Cause it's not what we fucking went over. I'm supposed to get the heat on you and you lay your ass there. And then we build a return and then you beat my ass, but yes. that doesn't work. If you just hop up and. Well.
1: And no cell chair shots. Yeah. Folks. If y'all want to go back and watch that, I don't know if research has got something in front of you, Conrad. Watch this segment is everything not to do.
0: It's snake bit as hell. Yeah. But we're off to the races because you're back in the saddle. And obviously this, this did not go exactly the way you hoped the next night. You're going to be doing the TV taping We just talked about you're with Marty Garner, the future champagne. Uh, (laughs) I love Marty. Um, last name pain. You're back in the saddle. And, and we're going to talk about all the moving and shaking and all the other Royal rumbles and what you did with Ahmed Johnson another time. But when the night was over, after all the snafus, after all the miscommunications, after the long layoff, you've promised yourself, you're going to over communicate. You can't be tickled with how this went and candidly, neither convince. Do you have a conversation with him that night or at the next TV taping? Do either of you just go to the other and just sort of laugh and shrug your shoulders like, oh, you want to fucking try again? Or what does that look like? I went to him.
1: Vince, I tried. He said, we'll handle this, Jeff. He wasn't happy.
0: But he, he didn't put any of it on you. None. Yeah.
1: None. I mean, zero. I don't want to say he had compassion for me, but he just, he wasn't happy at all with it. Like at all, <laughs> not even kind of.
0: Do you think Ahmed had a personal issue with you?
1: I, I don't because I observed his noncompliance across the
0: board. I don't know if you know this, but he's put it out there in shoot interviews that he was not a fan of yours. <laughs> and I don't know if that's because, and you and I've talked about this before, there is a Southern bias at times. I know for sure that there are certain people who listen to our program and maybe you're in power and wrestling Who hear my accent and hear your accent and think, <laughs> and I, you know, I'm just not sure where Ahmed was with all that, but he definitely is not necessarily a big fan, but I've always found that weird when you, especially when you contextualize, if anybody has a reason to be upset, it would be you with him because of his behavior in this initial segment and angle
1: Conrad and the, the skill set. That I was blessed and lucky to develop in Memphis of working with guys who had l- a limited entering skill set, I would have been the perfect opponent for that. And I can tried to convey that to him and I tried to talk to him and I tried to not use the words, hey man, will you just trust me? It's that, hey, I just tried to talk as simple of of, of a psychology that this doesn't work. If you know uh, on this yin and yang and Richter scale, you got to go down before you can come up, and and all of that. I mean, I did my damnedest. I mean, Conrad, you've been around me. I I I literally tried every imaginable way to communicate. Hey, it's my first night back in, but but also. To make a good segment out of it, and the thing I can remember hitting him with the the the, the chair, and he's chasing me, and I'm hitting him, and so the, the boys were laughing about it because I'm running from a guy, and I'm swinging the chair like over my head, but trying to hit him because he's behind me, chasing me after several chair shots, and I'm just like, what is this? But you know, it some guys just don't understand our industry and I know he's knocked me and he said some things that bless his heart. I'll just say that, you know,
0: I think that's the right approach to have. Uh, Liam wants to know on Twitter. He has the same question I did. What happened to the old gold frame CD that Jerry Lawler presented you? Did you keep the pieces? Does WWF have
1: them? <laughs> it got sweeped out and taken out in the, the dumpster that, that, that night it was, I, to my knowledge, it was shattered into a lot of pieces.
0: Uh, in the future, you need to get some gold CDs and we got to recreate that. Hey, we got a question here. We tried this last week or maybe it's two weeks ago. Let's try it again. And uh, we let folks over at AdFree free shows effectively call into the show and ask their questions. So let's do that now. This question comes from us. I had free shows.
1: Hi guys. This is RJ top guy. Wanted to have a question for Jeff on his 95 return to the WWF. I just wanted to know if there's any hype to you coming back into 95, like there really was for your boy, Derrick Henry, coming back to the Titans a few weeks back for the football game. Uh, obviously, it did turn out the way that you guys wanted it, but just wanted to get your thoughts if there was really any hype to you coming back in 95. Thanks, guys.
0: So, yeah, I mean, are you looking forward to it? Do you feel like the WBF did a good job promoting it? Uh, overall, did you feel like the return was promoted properly, uh, in hindsight, uh,
1: first things first, RJ, your bills are, 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 are exactly where my Titans are. They're going to be watching the Super Bowl on TV, uh, <laughs> and they got knocked out, uh, the same, uh, weekend anyhow. Um, you know, Conrad, like I said, I, I, maybe I jumped ahead or answered RJ's question, uh, without knowing it. The fact that Vince and the mindset was, hey, Jeff's been on a six month hiatus or five month hiatus out on tour and he sold X amount of copies of uh anti great and now greater than great's coming out, finishing up, going into the rumble, that's about a clean of a way to re enter. Uh, and and look, the hype and and raw and the you know, I, I think, yeah, I, I was happy with it. I again, I'm a promoter's kid they're not going to put all the eggs in this basket until they can come back and trust me. I under, that was the hardest lesson or the best lesson that I learned that I've broken some trust here. You know, my attorney said that he, I can remember a couple of calls. Hey Jeff, you got to remember, you knew what was going on in your mind. They didn't. And they're having to have that process of, you know, trusting you. And I'm like, they can't trust me after he goes, Hey dude, the old, whatever that saying is, you know, Truth travel, slow lie travels around the world, whatever that whole deal. I understood that I broke trust with Bruce and Pat and most importantly, Vince, and I had to build that back.
0: Well, next week we're going to be building back, uh, the road to our next live show, and, uh, we're going to have all those details here on uh, social media as well, uh, so be sure to follow us at my world pod. we have also got some fun announcements regarding our merch. We're doing a really cool initiative this year. For all of 2022 uh, and we hope to have some announcements formalized for that. By the way, if you haven't already, I can't encourage you enough to go check out adfreeshows.com You get all of our shows early and ad free, including a special piece of bonus content with Jeff every single month, but you get that from all of our other shows too. So you could be on a zoom uh, with Tony Schiavone. You could watch the Royal rumble with Ric Flair. Uh, you might even be able to call a match with Jim Ross. There's something for everybody. At adfreeshows.com, but I'm most excited about our new series that we just debuted. Uh, as you're listening to this, a couple of days ago, it was called AFS Insiders, uh, where I spent two hours talking to Neil Pruitt, the voice of the NWO, uh, and and someone who worked backstage for the company for a long time. Uh, and then we we're going to have another one of those coming up next month. It's already in the can, a friend of mine and yours. So. Pretty excited about all that we're doing at adfreeshows.com. I think it's the best value around. And we're going to be announcing our Top Guy weekend uh, here in the next couple of months as well. So if you haven't already, cruise on over, check it out, see if you like it, adfreeshows.com. And next week, we'll be back talking all things against all odds 2011. We're going to look back at one of the more interesting stipulations in company history. It's you versus Kurt Angle with the stipulation that if you win, Kurt has to give Karen away at your wedding, vow renewal, <laughs> or if Kurt wins, he gets full custody of Karen's children. This is wrestling, or as I like to say, wrestling, I can't believe this is real. Uh, but it happened. And we're going to talk about all the silliness next week. You're on the show, but how do you think we covered today's topic? I think we did it about as thoroughly as we possibly could.
1: Conrad, you're great at it. I ain't just BSing you just because the topic of me returning was such a unique period. And look, there's another, that USWA component of it, of me and Brian and the storyline. My dad did a almost a five minute promo that aired on Memphis TV that was real storytelling. You couldn't do that this day and age, but it was such a microcosm of what Memphis TV was and what made it draw and get ratings because it humanized so many things. But the topic of me leaving and reentering, um, it's, I enjoyed it. Uh, I, I, I think back on the lessons of the over-communication and how I broke trust, and I didn't even realize, uh, you know, how damaging that can be. But, yeah, man, another, uh, another fun episode. A lot of good times. And um, for the record, Chris Park is still the worst bandwagon jumper and fantasy football player in history.
0: Well, I don't know about that, but I know that we'll be back next week talking all things TNA, get it early, get it ad-free, get on over to adfreeshows.com and we'll see you next week right here on my world. Peace brother.